0: From TMP to TTNG For sure the care And those tired meme jeans Hella Kinsella and the promise ring Sunny day real estate And rights this spring Prince Twinkle Daddy's Help keep the dream alive I constantly thank God for Algernon And Remo Christie from drive. Mineral snowing high-tide hotelier and more. Rio Limo only consists of the DC emotive hardcore.
1: i'm just waiting on kyle to do the intro all right hold on let me get some food out of my mouth
2: hell yeah all right episode 47 of the e-word quarantine episode number two uh 100 best emo songs of all time part two this is kyle and madison joined by ellie ellie austin how's
1: it going uh texas is ranked 49th in the country for coronavirus preparedness um (laughs) And they count they count Washington, D.C. as a territory. So we're above <laughs> Mississippi and Wyoming. So we are the third worst prepared state for everything that's going on. And it kind of just seems like everyone outside is going like business as usual. A lot of businesses shut down. Uh, but everyone's just still going out with nary a care in the world. But I still feel like emotionally distanced from everyone when i when i go outside like i don't even want to talk to someone uh not because i'm afraid of like the virus but because it feels wrong on a moral level to talk to people when the virus is going around um that's how i'm one.
2: and we've got collins from closure back up there in syracuse uh earth crisisville how's it going collins <laughs>
3: Thanks for that. Um, it's going well. Um, <laughs> I like that Earth Crisis vote. It's going. It's going. Syracuse is. Uh, it's the same. All right.
2: <laughs> <It's> the- <laughs> There's not nothing happens here anyway. It's the same. <laughs> All right. All right. And then our California correspondent Seth, what's going on?
4: Not much. Just you know, staying inside. Uh, the the le- the next Repeater Records release, and uh, U.N.I. discography got delayed at the plant because they're closing down for about half a month at the moment. So we'll see when that actually gets put out, but we're going to, we're going to send everybody the, uh, the remastered tracks who, uh, who ordered it for now. Hmm.
2: From, from what I heard was that record labels have not yet been impacted. Uh, like sales haven't stopped because you could still do mail order and stuff. Are you seeing that or are you seeing the opposite?
4: Um, the, no, I mean the sales have the sales have been fine. It's just the the production that's yeah. now, yeah, been impacted. So yeah, that's caught up. We'll, yeah, we'll see about when that gets worked out. So we're just waiting.
5: Oof.
2: <clears throat> all right. So we're picking up at number fifty on this Vulture 100 Greatest Emo Songs of All Time list. We were talking a little bit about feedback, which has been little to none uh, on our uh, 100 through 51. Has anyone heard from the writers about our episode?
1: I have heard dri- dribs and drabs, uh, but and everyone, when, because the episode kind of came out and then almost immediately afterwards, America kind of plunged into this nightmare, yeah. uh, and so everyone was just like, "Yeah, I listen. I listen to the latest e-word. Can I vent to you about the horrible shit that's happening?" <laughs>
2: Yeah, but now we're giving them the content that they want so they can listen in quarantine.
1: God, Axe the Grind is putting out like five extra episodes a week or some
2: shit. My phone <laughs> literally went into you have no more room on your phone. And I deleted the Axe Grind episodes and it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we're picking up at number 50, which is uh, uh, going to be a controversial one. Bright Eyes, the calendar hung itself. Uh, from Fevers and Mirrors my favorite Bright Eyes song from this record uh, but the thing is is Bright Eyes emo are they putting this on here for the discussion point are they putting it on here because Bright Eyes is coming back this year I,
1: I feel like Bright Eyes was a was a band that a lot of emo kids liked but there was kind of an understanding that they weren't really emo as such Because a lot of emo kids liked them, but they were also very popular with, like, uh, the same type of people who effusively, sorry, who were super excited about uh, Pavement Reissues. That kind of uh, dot-com indie rock audience. We we have broken this down before, and Bright Eyes is sad.
2: Bright Eyes is cathartic. But it doesn't come from any kind of punk or hardcore scene. Which is...
4: It was uh, purposely trying to distance itself from that. The whole project, Bright Eyes, was trying to distance itself from punk and like you know that sort of DIY scene. And it's another. This is another like song that was just put on there as I don't. I, I don't know why. <laughs> <It was> just...
2: <laughs> so you could put Connor Oberst's picture in the graphic to go along with the article.
4: Yeah, sure, exactly. I mean, if he if they'd chosen a Commander Venus song and been like, he, Connor went on to be in Bright Eyes, like that would that would yeah that make makes. more sense. But it's just not. It, like Bright Eyes was just not emo and not even not even emo adjacent at that point. Like, I, it was, I don't know. It, it's another it's another band that's like the lyrics are emotive and it is you know sad and evokes feelings but it's not not an emo song
1: yeah i could see uh maybe the like the very very early stuff like like the water cassette being considered emo adjacent because it was like oh here's this like singer songwriter stuff made by someone who is related to a lot of these like kind of omaha post-hardcore bands but as ian cohen writes here in this write-up oberst was making a protracted effort to a shoe punk to formulate a kind of Nebraskan answer to Elephant Six. And I can't think of any indie rock movement in the last twenty years that was aggressive like as aggressively anti punk it sonically than Elephant Six.
4: I did see I did see Bright Eyes in an apartment in uh Santa Cruz on his first tour and he passed out after three songs. <laughs> Couldn't play. So that was no. that was kinda
1: punk. But <laughs> Are we just saying that alcoholism equals punk now? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> an apartment.
4: An apartment show plus alcoholism.
1: <laughs> oh yes. Well, in that case.
2: <laughs> well, like while this album was coming out, or like the first two big ones, or whatever, were people tacking emo in like the headlines for Bright Eyes? No. No. It was just singer
1: songwriter. No. Yeah. Also, my favorite song from this album is uh, Halai, 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 Halai. Oh,
4: yeah, me too. It's
1: <laughs> a good one. Yeah, love that song to death. All right. Um, 49. <laughs> we're moving on to 49. Back back to the world that we know. Um, the world is a beautiful place, and I am no longer afraid to die. January 10th, 2014. This is probably the the best song on Harmlessness, right? Mm, yeah. I mean. It's the big one. It's up there. Top yeah, generally, uh, I'm not as much a fan of them post whenever, if ever. but yeah, this is uh, the
3: same thing actually,
1: yeah, but the song, like i I do think, both because of like its narrative and musical ambitiousness, um, has always been kind of a standout to me. And you could probably write like like a feminist thesis uh, about this song, honestly. Mm-hmm yeah i i'm a fan i don't know if i would put this at 49 above some of the other more classic world is songs i would prefer maybe to have like getting sodas um in, in the spot
2: i think the thing is like i think harmlessness became like their album
1: that's really weird
2: i think that's I a journalist think... take kind
1: of the way that like journalists have made goodness like the hotelier album mm-hmm. but yeah yeah for everyone else home is clearly the hotelier album because to me, whenever, if ever is the world is record. But do you think it's like entirely a journalist pushed narrative? Because I do think harmlessness actually has become a huge fan favorite. And a lot of people are like, especially when like always foreign came out, people were like, man, I wish they sounded like harmlessness again. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. (laughs) I think that harmlessness had more, um, more of a, a wider reach. Yeah. So it was a lot of people's like, it was a lot of people's like first, first listen
5: yeah. for Yeah,
3: it was the first thing I listened to by them. It was the first thing I remember hearing about. Um, the world is a beautiful place was, it, yeah, it was like twenty fifteen. Yeah, that was like the first time I heard about them was when that record came out. So, I think it makes. Sense. I mean, I, I
1: understand why they would
3: pick something off of it.
1: That makes sense because whenever if ever really kind of blew the doors off this whole emo revival era in a in like a commercial sense, um, and harmlessness like musically is pushing past those boundaries. Um, but I think probably because of the exposure that they had already gained and the fact that now, music journalists were okay with saying that they loved the world is a beautiful place um this album really like ascended if that makes sense yeah and
2: uh, this song really helped with that too because it's semi for a world is song it's not as adventurous in song structure and stuff but like the actual content behind the song is fucking fascinating and I and i remember like Getting so much to chew on when this single premiered on NPR back in the day, oh, that's like right that's ago. right, but I was like, oh wow, seeing the world is in NPR, and the song is amazing, and it is like this song about someone who has been killing bus drivers. <laughs>
1: there's uh there's someone on our emo uh whose handle is diana the hunter uh they're kind of a dick but
3: (laughs) (laughs) i mean that just describes all of our emo though i mean let's be honest (laughs) it's
1: a cool it's a really cool handle nonetheless um but yeah i i guess i guess overall my opinion is i think i would rather see an earlier the world is song here but uh I, I understand why they would pick this song. Um, not necessarily a material perspective, but more of like an idea-based perspective. I think it's rare that you see emo songs that try and tackle these concepts, uh, especially with like the size of platform that the world is, has. So I can't really complain about this pick like too much in that regard. <laughs> I'm looking up
2: the 30 best emo mm-hmm. albums that uh, Spin did a few years ago, and Harmlessness was number seven. <laughs> and Whenever, Wild. If Ever, was number two. Okay,
1: uh, that's insane. <laughs> <So> but- <laughs> yes.
2: Once
4: again, putting a put, you, you shouldn't be able to put someone on there twice. And <laughs> <It's-> secondly, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think the more fucked up thing is that they put out sorority noise. You're not as blank as you think. Like a few months after that album came out at number 10.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, very the...
1: poorly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I remember we had to like cut it from like emo, just the, the album of the month voting because all that camp stuff came out like not long after that record. <laughs>
3: yeah that stuff had been floating around forever though like
1: yeah yeah if you
3: if you had been touring i think that you had known or somebody had told had mentioned something about that
1: but talking about that camp situation also uh forces us to open up the whole can of worms where the world is is concerned and i don't think we have time for that (laughs) no 48 at the drive-in transatlantic foe uh is this the At the Drive-In song? Is this yeah. even the At the Drive-In song from In Casino Out?
4: No, it's it's not. It's not the song from. It's. I mean, it should have been Initiation, but
1: uh, Initiation. I would have gone with Napoleon Solo. They're both both good
4: choices. I I I really do. I mean, I I don't I don't think Transatlantic Foe should have been the choice. I yeah, especially off of In Casino Out.
1: <laughs> it it feels to me like maybe in casino out was chosen because relationship of command is much more tied to post hardcore mm-hmm. more broadly than to emo um, and if you do like a pre relationship of command song you can kind of make the case that at the drive in uh, is emo but i still don't think that i kind of put them in the emo box personally
4: oh they um, they yeah they were absolutely in very very much in the scene like it was it, they the first time I saw him was with they were touring with Jay June and I, the they were they were yeah, it was they came up in the emo scene and it was uh yeah, very uh very much involved. So that was uh, I mean, it's a solid choice. for I mean at the driving is a solid choice for this list, but Transatlantic Foe is not a solid choice for the song.
1: I mean, yeah, that that does make perfect sense. Um, but in a historical context, do you think "At the Drive-In" is still, uh, as tied to to emo as it may as they may have been when they were coming up? No,
4: I mean, I don't even think "Relationship of Command" was. I, I relationship of command was, the production on that record is just nasty, and not in a good way. And- oh no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, did Ross Robinson do the production on that one?
4: I can't remember. I I didn't. I just I, didn't I like it.
1: So I think it was Ross Robinson because uh, he also did the production on Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Silence by Glassjaw. I think oh, yeah. Glass- similarly yeah.
4: nasty, similarly nasty <laughs> record. I'm just,
1: ugh. I think that record plus Relationship Command, and then uh, a little bit after stuff like Tell All Your Friends and Burn Piano Island Burn. Kind of was like post-hardcore peeking out of the DIY scene and making inroads into the mainstream, and eventually that led to like Dance Gavin Dance and Chiodos. So I think maybe that like that that whole premise being in my mind is kind of what's separating At the Driving from emo in my head. But I do know for for a fact. That you, Seth is right. They like absolutely came up in that scene, but yeah, just just the wrong song pick, personally.
4: Yeah, I mean Omar Rodriguez Lopez had a dahlia seed tattoo.
1: It's you know, That's so sick.
4: They have, they've got cred.
1: <laughs> I don't think anyone is disputing that they have cred. Um, yeah. <laughs> the only per, the only person that I would dispute has cred is Beto O'Rourke. I saw that coming. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> uh 47 just to brazil chinatown jawbreaker is absolutely going to be on this list later on at least they did not do the thing where they put the follow-up band higher than the definitive band uh mm-hmm. like like they did with like knapsack yeah they uh, they, did, they wouldn't have been able to get away with that no no <laughs> no, no no uh mostly because jawbreaker fans are uh a, a just pathologically disturbing breed. Um, <laughs> do, do, does anyone here share the take? This is not my take, but I've heard, I've heard it said a lot, that Just Brazil is better than Jawbreaker. No. I've heard it in like a preference
2: type of way, not that they're better. It's just like what I want to listen to now is Just Brazil and not Jawbreaker because I've worn out those records or I'm a certain age
1: or something. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: I mean, I've listened Um, to more Just Brazil than I have Jawbreaker.
1: I mean, I don't really have an opinion of who's better or not. I think that's pretty subjective. But I think to me it's more just that Jawbreaker has more perfect records that I go back to all the time. And Just Brazil only has two that I go back to all the time. Uh, Orange Ramming Dictionary and Perfecting Loneliness. But also I think that uh, Just Brazil is a lot sleeker and more considered than Jawbreaker. And maybe I just kind of miss the kind of like dirtbag explosiveness, you know? Yeah. It was, it
4: was a bit of a shock when this record came out.
1: A shock in, in, in what sense? It just, everyone was expecting Jawbreaker part two. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I, in retrospect, I don't see Blake doing that, but at the time, I could see that that would, probably would have been the expectation.
4: Yeah, it, it definitely was. There was there there was a people weren't mad, but they were,
1: you know, confused a little. Uh, my favorite take that I see old people talk about is um, lots of, lots of old 90s heads uh, actually genuinely <laughs> jawbreaker. <laughs> not even because of dear you they just like hate all jawbreaker except maybe like the pre-unfun singles <laughs> <laughs> One of the Sarah Kirsch bands uh, recorded basically like a jawbreaker diss track. Um, yeah
4: that was torches to
1: Rome yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and someone posted it in the 90s hardcore Facebook group and they were like, Oh yeah, I always liked Fuel more than Jawbreaker, which is like fair, but it just seems weird to me uh, that you can like discount the impact that Jawbreaker had. That feels like historically revisionist.
4: Yeah, and also the song choice. I mean, it, it, it's a it, it's a Chinatown's a good choice, but um, I would have gone for I would I, I would have gone with I typed for miles or
1: Sweet Avenue. Sweet Avenue for yeah. me. Those are those are both good picks, but I, I actually am okay with uh Back of town. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would
3: I would say Sweet Avenue like was like would be like
1: my like pick if I had to pick one. Oh shit, I guess that's the hit.
3: <laughs> that's the first song that I listened to by them though, so at the same time like it popped up in one of those like um like timeline through Midwest emo or something like that, like playlist on Spotify. So it just kind of was happened to be the one that I listened to first.
1: How many songs on this list do you think a lot of people's first exposure was through? Like, some, like, remember those old Amazon lists that were like, oh, here's your introduction to emo, or here's yeah. your introduction to the list manias.
5: Yeah. I hey, would hey, say, hey.
1: like,
3: the, in the top 50, like, almost every single one. Yeah. Like, just from browsing <laughs> the top. I don't know about the bottom 50, because I wasn't like honestly as familiar with a lot of them but like looking at the top 50 like most of these like were the first songs that i listened to by the each band so i would say like a hefty majority of them would be the first ones
1: um an exception to that i think would be 46 embrace no more pain this is absolutely not the first embrace song that i heard i'm pretty sure the first embrace song that i heard was money i think the same thing for me actually
4: i think said gun was mine
1: yeah um does anyone remember uh seth you probably remember this but um i'm pretty sure ebullition did that like embrace covers comp
4: it was not ebullition that was uh, no it
1: wasn't uh but i'm thinking of world of greed right
3: yeah where
4: well, you're thinking of world of greed that was not ebullition but yeah that's a that comp is great I, it like really really good <laughs>
1: What, uh, what label thinking of then? What's that? What, what label was it then? Um what's
4: it?
1: I, I Land agreed, world of need. I'm looking it up on Spotify. Trustkill. Yeah, trust. trust
4: Kill. That was it. Yeah, not fair at Trust Kill, right. <laughs> that's what I was that's where my, my mind was going.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but the yes, the the reason that money was the first uh Embrace song I ever heard is because Lifetime covered money on this comp. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah you're right this is a fucking fantastic comp holy shit
4: yes real good (laughs) the rancid cover
1: (laughs) yes uh a veil covering said gun um which that that also reminds me of uh the food not bombs benefit comp that inchworm did which was also really really good (laughs) um
4: embrace for me one of the most important bands that ever you know happened in my life i got a i got a cassette tape from a friend that had falling forward on one side and embrace on the other, and that was oh, the,
1: that's so sick
4: when I was sixteen, and then it's you know been that's changed everything.
1: Yeah, to me, embrace probably is musically the best of the Revolution Summer bands. I, I just think like the way like the guitar is is sculpted is something really really special. It sounds like REM trying to go hardcore. That makes sense. <laughs>
4: and and every song, every song on every song on that album is amazing and could have been on this list. So I, yep. I can't really can't really uh, yep. argue that, that that record is is one of the the high points of my musical awakening. Fuck yeah,
1: yeah. No, great record, great band. Um, and immediately followed by 45 My Chemical <laughs> Romance I'm Out of <laughs> time. There's, there's two My Chem songs on this list uh, neither of them I, I think are the best My Chem songs but they are probably like the most important My Chem songs uh, as far as like how the, how the mainstream perception of emo uh changed or evolved uh in the early to mid 2000s i think i'm not okay is kind of my chem's attempt at doing like uh bleed american era jimmy world i can hear it for sure i get it i get what you're saying uh also don't get me wrong like this is a fucking fantastic song even even um like within three cheers for sweet revenge i think the song is kind of like a little bit out of step it is a lot popular and more anthemic and has like a more conventional structure than i mean that's just what
3: mike does on almost well at least for black parade and um and for three cheers like they always had those those one or two songs that were kind of like out of nowhere like on like Black Parade, it was teenagers. Why was teenagers on Black Parade? I I still don't know. Especially after listening to the B sides, where there were a lot of other demos that arguably would have fit way more. Um, appropriately. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Kill all your friends probably would have slotted in like pretty but, perfectly. Why is Why is my way through home as you not on the Black Parade? Like that's insane <laughs> to me. Like I, I listen I still listen to that song more regularly than it regularly than I listen to Teenagers, but in terms of three cheers yeah i'm not okay definitely sticks out sonically but you can't argue that it's the song from that record i mean you could say helena which like obviously spoil earlier that list did but i think that everyone's first exposure to my chem was i'm not okay that music video was just iconic
1: like that's just it's i was just gonna it. say i i think the music video was actually extremely important for this band um yeah it fit their entire like
3: the, the the entire premise of the band was was that music video essentially like that's what they you know kind of set out and to to talk about was the, like the misfit kids and you know do you and all that stuff and that's like that music
1: video kind of pretty you know summarized that pretty well so how many MyChem fans who were like eight years old when the song came out eventually watched like rushmore and were like oh okay okay <laughs> 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 you know there are
3: kids like so i played <clears throat> we played like this um like emo night thing which i will never <laughs> do again by the way that's like an entire entirely different podcast episode <laughs> as to why i'll never play another emo night but we were we were playing it and there were there was each each band had to like apparently cover a band and we i don't even remember i don't even remember like hitting like getting or hang up the, the promoter about this show. But I just was like scrolling through Facebook one day and I happened to see that we were playing an American football cover set. And I was like, I was like, oh, what? Like, like, because we're the only, we're like the only band that like has ever played in an open tuning. Therefore, we must sound exactly like American football. I <laughs> was like, I can't learn. Like, and the sets were like an hour. I'm like, I can't learn like 10 American football songs in like a month. That's insane. They're like insane. So like they're, <laughs> They're they're like say what you want about American football in terms of you know being emo for casuals or whatever but I mean I I mean it's it's pretty mathy like I mean I I don't know where the tabs are so anyway but there was a band that was supposed to do my chem long story short for some reason I ended up on stage with the band doing vocals for the my chem set I don't know how or why it wasn't planned but it was and I'm just like looking out and there's like a lot of kids there and I'm looking out and there's these like little like girls. It reminded me of like when I went to my chem show, like back when they were like, you know, in, in the in the heyday, I guess, in the prime. And there were like these little girls that were like 12, 13 with skull face paint and the fingerless gloves. And like and I was just like, holy fuck, this is insane. And I like you know, like their parents were there with them, and I'm like, this is like some really weird like flashback that I didn't I wasn't ready for tonight. I was like talking to some of the parents afterward, and I'm like, I'm like, it's so cool, you know, you're like, taking your kid out to the show, you know, like really appreciate it, you know, your help supporting bands, and then you know it's fun for them, and like this is really cool that, because back, you know, before that, like or during that time, my chem wasn't making a comeback, obviously, um, or we didn't we didn't know for a fact, I guess. And so I was like, how, you know, how old, how old is, how old are your kids? And she's like, oh, you know, the one is 12 and the other one is 11. And I'm like, so they weren't even alive. Yeah. <laughs> like my chem was a band, <laughs> like, which is insane. So like they, they, they have, they have that reach that like, that just transcends time. Like there are still kids to this day that are like 12 that, that wear skull makeup to school and like paint their eyes, you know, pink and try to look like Frank. From three cheers, like it's
1: it's crazy. I feel like uh, sometime after like twenty thirteen, kind of like the scene aesthetic became the province of you know, kind of Midwest or rural kids who were just very very late on the bandwagon. But My Chem kind of flipped the, flipped the polarity on it because even though they broke up in twenty thirteen, there's still new kids getting into My Chemical Romance every single fucking day. Even like circa 2018, when like uh, DIY started going through that scene aesthetic revival with all the bands who semi ironically appropriated like Drop Dead Gorgeous um, and 18 Visions aesthetic, I I still think that you could go to like a Scrams show and a band could cover My Chemical Romance and people would unashamedly sing along. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: no, I definitely agree. I I think that. I don't know if I said it last time because I know we like kind of discussed my chem last time, or as I thought we did. But I really think they're like they were like one of the last big like rock and roll bands to ever like exist as as, oh, as what we think yeah. of them. You know what I mean? Like like absolutely. I don't think I don't think that there will be another band that comes around and and does what they did like in terms of just like rock and roll because like can you really pin pin them down as a genre? I hate when people like oh my my chem isn't real emo it's like well if you listen to bullets because like that's pretty close in my opinion like but it yeah. doesn't matter because they transcend and it sounds weird but i obviously i love the band obviously Ellie knows like we've discussed my chem in depth but um, yeah i i think that my chem like transcends genre they have something for everybody you, you, it doesn't matter what kind of music you like like they have a record for you they have a song for you they have an era probably for you you know if you're into this kind of music so I think it's so cool what they did and I I just I truly think that they were the last like real rock, rock and roll band at least in my at least in my mind. I
1: don't know if I'd say last real rock and roll band but they definitely are probably the last rock stars. Yeah yeah uh, that's that's what tradi- I mean that's what I mean. Yeah in the traditional sense. Yeah, like absolutely. After the era of My Chem, uh I think hip hop kind of took over the pro- province of like what rock star meant in the zeitgeist and it's it's uh evolving into something different and now Instead of being like a rock star, you're like an influencer. <laughs> but my my chem definitely were like the the last of of an era.
3: Who knows? It it all circles back eventually. Like you know, we go through like you know, kind of this the cycle repeats itself. So I mean, now you see like you know Machine Gun Kelly doing like a, a record with Travis Barker, and it's like it's like is it gonna come back? Like are are we gonna try to circle back to like this like rock and roll sort of? you know era or what well, like
2: i think the thing is I that think... like things are getting too segmented so like not everyone gets on board just for my chemical or for a band like my chemical romance like people are like like pop punk bands like everyone has their preference within pop punk now like not everyone's like neck yeah. deep yeah. like people are like fuck neck
1: deep i love state champs so like they don't
2: yeah i think that's just <laughs> accessibility
1: that's that statement means like nothing to me like those <laughs> are exactly the same um but uh i think the thing about my chem and i'm not mad at all that they're on this list because i think of all the emo pop bands they probably represent like one of the clearest through lines back to vote of hardcore like especially on on three cheers it doesn't sound necessarily like Emo, but it does sound like emotive rock music with octave chords and influence from hardcore. And you can kind of see where people were coming from when they when they labeled that band emo, more so than a band like Cute is what we aim for. Say yeah, absolutely. Um,
3: see, but they didn't they didn't really embrace the emo label too, which is like a whole other thing.
1: But- yeah, because uh, their influences were so very They were into like t-rex and brit pop and i mean Iron. ray was into like you know like uh like metallica
3: and yeah you know like that hair metal like hair metal and then that the, you know metallica type metal which is kind of crazy
1: yeah they learned to scream by like playing along to at the gates records um yeah. so it, it it just was like this melange of a shit ton of influences um and i think that was a double-edged sword for them when it came to credibility um, but it, it is what helped them become like a mainstream phenomenon. Cause I think you need to have a lot of varied influences and synthesize them properly to sound unique enough to cross over.
3: Well, absolutely. I think that like the yeah. biggest issue with a lot of bands is that they, they're like, okay, we're going to be a Midwest emo band. So we need to sound like every other Midwest emo band. And like, it just kind of ends up sounding contrived and, um, I mean that's an issue why why would i listen to your band when i can go listen to another one that's that i already know mm-hmm. so i think to have that kind of like myriad of influences that my Chem had was just like it's it's just kind of you know it it speaks for itself the sound is just like you can't really pin it you can't really pin any era and i honestly have been listening to danger days a lot recently and danger days is fucking sick i will say a lot of people had a lot of mixed mixed thoughts about it but i think danger days is pretty good
1: on that subject, let's move on to 44. <laughs> on the real though, isn't it fucking wild that um, we're all like quote unquote real emo fans, but we just spent like 10, 15 minutes talking about My Chemical Romance and did, didn't talk shit right about them once? I just <laughs>
4: learned more. I just learned more about My Chemical Romance in that last 10 minutes than I knew
1: <laughs> for years. Hell <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I think when we get to their later placement, we should talk about them again and get more of Seth's take. But in the end of the time, uh, we should move on. Forty-four Desaparecidos, the happiest place on earth. Desa is proof on this list that they did not need to put Bright Eyes on this list. Like yeah. if they put if they put Desa here, they totally could have put Commander Venus here. Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Of it. Like,
4: Bright Eyes did Bright Eyes did not need to be included because Desaparecidos is is. Way more representative of, you know what Ema emo was at the time and is now or whatever than bright Eyes ever was. I don't
1: Nina Nina did it again. She, she <laughs> Nina did, did it right, again.
4: She did the right thing again,
5: <laughs> hell yeah,
1: um this is like a a perfect fucking record. Um I think both Dessa records are perfect to me, this kind of Speaks to the fact that people don't often realize like how political a lot of early emo was, um, like of uh, bands like Admiral, you know, or even Moss Icon in a really like elliptical roundabout way. Uh, not not even just making the political personal and the personal political, but you know, having like a cohesive political message. And I think in this. In, in this time in American culture, uh, it was genuinely subversive to, to be critical of George W. Bush. I think as it stretched into like the mid to late two thousands, it became much more commonplace. But those several months after nine 11, I think you were actually making like somewhat of a dangerous statement by being so critical of George W. Bush and, uh, his response to 9-11 because if if you look at like the polls, uh, the support for the war was extremely high among everybody. Yeah. It was Uh, a dark
4: dark time.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel weird kind of talking about this. Like I wasn't five at the time, Um, (laughs) but but my, my birthday is 9-11 so I have like a, like a strange attachment to, to that time in American history. And I do like to do a lot of research and I do um, like to think about like kind of the, the political uh, uh, domino effect that that had. And I think you can trace like a lot of what's going wrong right now back to the horrific and honestly disgusting practices of the Bush administration and I personally even go so far as to say I think the Bush administration was genuinely worse and more destructive for America than the Trump administration has been so far yeah I'm really glad to see this the song here <laughs> that the, I know what that what I said had nothing to do with the song really <laughs> but but you had something yeah. to say. <laughs> I did. I, I I I had a soapbox and I needed to put it somewhere. So I wrote Thanks, thanks
4: pal. I wrote d and uh, D themed concept album about that. So I'm I'm with you.
3: That's yeah. a sentence that's never been said before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Y'all riff on Dessa 911. I'm going to go get uh, another can of Europe. I like this record a lot. I think I think this one like though it's
2: about the politics of the. Uh, nearly 20 years ago it's still very relevant and like it's a timeless record in my opinion
4: yeah oh yeah totally you can put it on now and it's dealing with kind of the same bullshit
2: yeah i i think i've said this on the podcast before but i do really think that the the second like comeback Desa record is like extremely strong A payola yeah
1: yeah, that's a that's a fucking phenomenal record. Yeah. Are we are we finally done with that whole like conservatism is the new punk rock bullshit? People finally see through that grift? I hope so. Uh, being pro authoritarianism and pro nationalism I think is potentially the least punk thing possible.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Like, yeah, I I don't think that I don't think that took off. <laughs>
2: <okay>. <laughs> so um, it's, it's been like about 40 minutes of recording these songs and we got through like four of them or five of them gotcha. so, we're doing it again
1: we're yeah. doing let's it hustle. Again.
2: let's hustle let's hustle for All sure right.
1: uh 43 Thursday understanding in a car crash yeah this is the Thursday song this is the Thursday record I used to not think that Thursday belonged to the emo bucket but time has changed my opinion on that like oh
4: man this is this is essential and this is yeah. this back is banger this yeah. is it's really good stuff.
2: I'm surprised yeah. because they've done so many of these uh like big bands but uh chose weird songs and this one is just like they're it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect and yes. I'm surprised that they did it kind of conventionally.
3: I think that it's uh obviously I agree with everybody else, but I just love Jeff Rickley's voice. It's so distinctive. And I think that's like I think it's really like whenever you hear like jeff rickley sing and you're like yeah that's that's jeff rickley so mm-hmm. like it was one of those songs that i listened to a bunch like when i was a kid and didn't really know like what it was because it was like i was young and whatever and it was just on some random youtube video you're like oh what is that song but i would always recognize like oh that's that one band that i know i like and that was because of jeff rickley's voice i mean they're they're such a good band
4: tom tom just, schlatter, tom schlatter from you and i did the
1: Yes, 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 the
4: screams on did the screams on that song too?
1: It's funny that you consider Jeff Buckley to have such a definitive voice, and you're not wrong, but it's it's just funny because prior to Thursday, uh, Jeff would, like try out for bands and they'd be like, "You can't sing, sorry." <laughs> I think that having a unique voice is way
3: more interesting in a band. Think about all your favorite bands. All the singers have these like, you know the ones that really transcend and really make a difference and really like stand out. All the singers are, their voices may not be, like, conventionally good, but they're different. Like, Gerard Way's voice, I think he can be conventionally a good singer. His voice is definitely, definitely, like, very interesting. Davey Havoc's voice, you can pick it out of a
1: lineup anywhere. You know, it's like
3: anything like right,
1: the that's the my chem and AFI uh, double mentioned for Collins. This gotta episode. do it. <laughs> gotta <laughs> do it. <laughs> Not allowed. Perfect record, kind of like the apothe- the apotheosis of um, I think what what basement hardcore had been throughout the '90s, and putting it all in a succinct in a succinct package while simultaneously making it somewhat accessible for more mainstream audiences. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this was Victory's highest selling record. Uh, to date at least prior to tell all your friends i think when thursday got signed to def jam def jam had to pay uh something like two million dollars just to get them out of the victory deal which says a lot about how much they exploded during this time mm-hmm. yeah uh 42 owls everyone is my friend this is surprisingly high but this yes. the song is yes.
2: incredible
4: the, the whole the whole album is just this is this album. This is a perf- another perfect album, and so, yeah, I'm. I, I can't. I even I can't be upset at Ian Cohen about this choice.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love Ian so much, but he's giving me so much to clown on here. Um, but no, can't clown on. Cl- can't clown on this pick at all. Great fucking record. Victor, I think, is one of the all-time emo guitarists. Like, probably my my pick for the best emo guitarist of all time. Has anyone heard his project, No Yes? I don't uh, think they so. Out, they put out an EP like a very long time ago. You can find it on Spotify, but it's phenomenal. Um, yeah,
4: No Yes, I, I think it's better than Ghosts and Vodka. And
1: Ghosts and Vodka is good, too. They
2: Ghosts... Just... Ghosts and Vodka is
5: They just
1: announced oh that they're pressing that. Ghosts and Vodka? Yeah. Um, hopefully more people listen to it, because I think that's the most perennially underrated Kinsella project. Maybe next yeah. to the Sky Corvair um 41 texas is the reason back into the left another one i cannot complain about or clown on whatsoever i think texas is the reason is massively important to emo. one of the big three of like quote-unquote midwest emo. uh i think it's funny that they get kind of thrown in there because they are essentially uh a new york hardcore band that doesn't play new york hardcore <laughs> um garrett clon like colin said earlier um Not a conventionally good vocalist, but extremely powerful, extremely unique. Charisma and magic bleeding through in these guitar riffs.
4: Yeah, definitely riffs, like massive riffs. And the songwriting was more concise than a a lot of the other, like, post-hardcore revelation groups of the time. Like, you know, like Farside gets a a little weird into another, like, it's a little weird. But Texas Uh, is... more focused i
1: was gonna bring up i was gonna bring up into another like ep creepy or creepy ep sorry that that record gets like pretty pretty fucking out there but texas is the reason is extremely concise and the riffs uh they definitely feel descended from like burn or 108 but rather than being like propulsive or rock hard they kind of just wash over you like water Mm -hmm um do the kids listen to texas is the reason a little bit a little bit i i think back in like the late 2000s early 2010s it was more of a thing like i remember seeing usernames like johnny on the spot 09 or whatever
5: yeah. um
1: i i think that maybe texas is the reason is a little bit more uh underrated among the below 20 set now yeah because i mean but like the below 20 set
2: is fucking with braid but for some reason they don't make it to texas is the reason
1: which is weird because before Braid put out No Coast, I would say it was kind of reversed. Yeah. Number 40, Jimmy Eat World, Lucky Denver Mint. There's more Jimmy two. Eat World songs. Yeah, there's more Jimmy Eat World songs here, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. there are? Okay, cool. I was going to say that wouldn't have been my... But this this does make sense as a pick because it was closest thing they had to a hit prior to the middle as emma writes here it was on the soundtrack for never been kissed never been kissed is a fucking great soundtrack uh nowhere slow by homegrown is on that soundtrack um and that's like in my top three pop punk songs ever made so i i think ian cohen's gone on record to say that clarity is his favorite album like period of all time And i know jimmy world is tom mullen's favorite band and jimmy world is one of the few bands from this era that even like gnarly cynical old hardcore dudes are like oh yeah i i support jimmy world all the way they're cool great guys i just think the the songwriting especially on this song is just so glistening and beautiful and perfect even though it might not be my personal pick i get it you know i think yeah. it's a great song yeah
3: they're they're the reason i i actually like discovered that i liked emo i didn't know what it was I was it was it was it was like years and years ago but I heard um I forgot what song it was was it 23 or something like that and I was like what is this this is so cool and you know do some browsing on the internet and oh that's emo and that just kind of did it for me
4: I think it's weird they I I think it's weird they called it an experimental album I don't I wouldn't say it's experimental I, I guess the last track's a little bit experimental but it's a pretty straightforward album in my opinion but yeah well, it's, a great al- it's a great album. It, it's a great album, and uh, that was a song's a good choice too.
1: Would you have put "Goodbye Sky Harbor" in the spot?
4: No, I, I "Goodbye Sky Harbor" I would say is the only thing that's
1: actually a little experimental. You would, so you wouldn't put it on this list because I oh, know no, you know no. The song. I, yeah, I think it's the best song on that album, personally.
4: Oh, it's a great. It, it's absolutely it's great. It, it just it's just not. Uh, I don't think it would go on the list because it's 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 uh reaching a little too far.
1: Yeah, not, no, it doesn't quite fall into the emo bucket. Yeah. Sure. All right, I got you. They did a rendition of The Middle with Taylor Swift. What the fuck? When did that happen?
2: I didn't know. It was a live thing. Oh no. my god.
1: <laughs> I got to look that up on the stun.
3: Okay. I, I wonder what Taylor Swift thinks about if that's on Spotify. I wonder who gets the royalties for that. How do they split? I know Taylor Swift is super concerned about royalties.
1: <laughs> uh, these next two tracks. Um, could not be more opposite on the emo spectrum, but I am so fucking on both of them. Um thirty-nine Orchid, I am Nietzsche. <laughs> Holy fuck. The the drop on this song gives me chills every time I listen to it. And I've been listening to this song for like thirteen, fifteen years. Oh my fucking god. Perfect, perfect example of Screamo songwriting. <laughs> Uh, ple can someone please have thoughts on orchid except for me um, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm really scared about doing this. of course I, I,
4: of course I have thoughts on Orchid <laughs> <laughs> the the amount of influence that orchid had on emo and screamo at the time is like is it was it was almost catastrophic it, there were just so many bands that wanted to sound like orchid after after uh, chaos is me came out and Mm. Um, some bands like were very good at it, and some bands were not good at it. But it definitely like they were. I think Orchid had the amount of influence that sonically and you know aesthetically that uh, people that like uh, music writers want to give. Uh, I hate myself and
1: oh for sure even and even yeah.
4: Sech. Like I think I think Orchid was even more like more influential as, as far as like actual pushing things forward was even more influential than Satia at the time, for sure.
1: It's not that there weren't that there were other bands that did what Orchid did before them, because Inhumanity was around, Palatka was around, End of the Century yeah. Party, all these bands that kind of fused just the open aggression of Power Violence and Grindcore with uh, the, the melodic reach of Emo and Screamo. But Orchid just had the personality and charisma like just absolutely dripping with it um, yeah they
4: had, they had the ideas they had the like the the artwork was always just like ahead and the songwriting was always one step ahead the recording like it was just they were they were uh just
1: out there i am too young unfortunately to have seen them live but i've seen a couple videos and also they're just fucking explosive
4: it was it was a it was crazy experience to see them live like I yeah I I I saw them two nights in a row album before this uh 10 inch came out and and it was just like it was I was floored from the the moment they've started playing
1: um and on a technical level I think the production on this record is a little worse than Chaos is Me but I think that actually helps it it just sounds like when it gets violent it sounds like you're inside of a blender like just really chaotic and kinetic like
4: oh yeah no i i I love a blow i love a blown out sounding recording
1: (laughs) yeah i think that's that's the thing that screamo kind of missed like as it went on it just doesn't have that uh hardcore derived like thump in your chest physical quality
4: yeah that's why lifeless by loma prieta is one of my favorites
1: oh yeah yeah because
4: that just because the recording like it's you know
1: it's got that excellent song my favorite orchid song personally um i really like the description of ugly beautiful yeah <laughs> if if we want to pivot into like a like a philosophical discussion i know that nietzsche ended up kind of being subsumed on the internet um as being part of like right-wing ideology and there's lots of arguments you can make for that but Orchid like we're one of those bands that openly discussed like the frankfurt school and you can kind of trace a lot of like the complaints about cultural marxism right back to the frankfurt school nietzsche was super important to like post-structuralism and i do think screamo is in a sense like a a postmodern post-structuralist kind of genre so even on like a conceptual level the song works great 38 saves the day at your funeral this is the one it's, safe, it's the one safe safe song i want to hear thoughts about saves the day come on i know you will have it
2: through being cool is it's not my favorite because i know ellie hates me for liking uh uh what's the dreamworks record called uh in reverie in reverie yeah i love that one a lot that, that's one that i want to listen to these days but uh through being cool, I do hate you. For that. Would be, uh, would be just as safe as at your funeral.
4: I stopped listening. I I stopped listening after through being cool, so I I can't really speak to say what you are.
2: The
1: older That's I get, the I, more I think say. can't slow down. Might be my favorite saves. The day record. I do have such like a soft spot in my heart for at your funeral. And really, this this entire record, I think Brad Nelson, who did the write up here, mm. is a a little wrong when he kind of traces the lines. Of taking back Sunday and Fall Out Boy back to this record I think you could trace them more strongly back to Through Being Cool and Stay What You Are is more of like the beginning of like those Beatles uh, and broader psych rock influences that yeah. In, In Reverie kind of started playing with um, this is I think still their most played song on Spotify it was really fucking huge at the time and it still gives me chills whenever I sing along to it Um. yeah (laughs) Yeah. there's like a leno
2: or letterman performance of the song that is like really amazing to watch because like they're they seem so shocked that they're doing what they're doing and like yeah uh, and they're (laughs) so fucking tight still
3: i love uh chris conley's voice too Mm -hmm. like it's so like it's it's so good
2: it's kind of close
3: to your voice dude i literally get that Every single time somebody listens to our band, I could show you, I could scroll through Instagram messages <laughs> like, hey, I just listened to Closure for the first time. You sound just like Chris Conley. It's so sick. Like, it's it's super funny. I didn't want to say that out of like, you be like, hey, by the way, people compare me to this great
1: singer named Chris Conley. But it happens all the time. High register. <laughs> yeah. Chris Conley kind of grew out of this as time went on, even though like... Other elements of the songwriting kind of went to shit. Uh, but do you think that "Saves the Day" was kind of the genesis of kind of grossly uh, violent, verging into misogynistic territory and emo lyrics? Yes.
4: No, but... I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I I think that the bands that were influenced by them went that direction. Like, but I, I don't. I don't think "Saves the Day" like. There was more, more definitely more like self-sadness in the Saves the Day lyrics, more about, like, like oh, woe is me than there was, you know, I can't believe a woman would do this, like, brand-new lyrics and shit.
1: Sure, uh, but I, I, I do think you're right that the bands that Saves the Day influenced took it further, but mm-hmm. I can't, like, shake a little bit of discomfort when I listen to, like, Rockstonic Juice Magic, let me take this awkward saw and run it against your thighs. Yeah, see like he like wrote
2: them in very kind of clouded ways and not just like fuck her she dumped me or she's a stupid bitch type stuff.
1: Yes, yes Um, there's like there is like a little bit of an uncomfortable undertone Um, but I do think that Chris Conley's songwriting is like idiosyncratic and unique enough that um, he he gets a little bit of a pass especially since there doesn't seem to be open hatred so much as just like as much as it conveys like just his personal pain i don't know now i'm now i'm getting severely off topic <laughs> uh 37 joyce Man or constant headache it's a huge song uh i probably listened to this song
2: every day in 2011 wow <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. i mean i i've listened to this album like that entire summer that it came out and stuff whenever you see this band live, when the song comes on, it, like the entire room is just pushing and yelling. Uh, it's yeah, completely get it. It's like a gigantic anthem. It's a gigantic sing along.
1: Yeah.
4: And Shinobu got a, got a shout yeah. out yeah. in the, the up. Yeah. That, that was, that was pretty
1: great. I remember reading an interview with, uh, with Barry Johnson where he shouted out like a ton of just like fairly obscure DIY California bands, uh, that actually was the first time that i heard of shinobu i still don't think that joyce Manor is emo i just i just don't they they've always been uh some flavor of pop punk or power pop to me
4: i mean that makes sense but uh, i mean in the with this list like there's definitely a lot of pop punk that was influenced by emo that gets put on this list so i think they've I think they fit just fine. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them emo either. But, the as far as for the purpose of this list, it, it makes sense at least.
2: Yeah. So you're our California correspondent, and uh, Joyce Manor are abnormally gigantic in California. Like they played that show with Jeff Rosenstock and AJJ that was like at like a five thousand capacity venue and yes. it sold out. Yeah.
4: Yeah, they're 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 huge. Everyone, they're they're like the local 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 heroes in the the torrents.
2: But like you watch videos of them playing like all of the the like classic California DIY spots like Gilman. Uh, and then there's the one that the Lauren Records crew ran. I forgot what it's called. VLHS or something. Yeah, VL-
4: yeah, VLHS in in
2: Pomona. So, but like this is one of those fans that went from like DIY to Tumblr, and the rest is history.
4: The songs are very, the songs are very memorable. They're they've got mm-hmm. hooks, like it's it, it makes sense, and, and the you can just like pick up, pick pick up on the the pick up on the melodies and everything real quick. they they know how to write a song.
1: Yep, yep. I found I found the interview, um, and Barry also shouted out uh, La Joshua in that interview who are a very, very good band 36 braid, a dozen roses.
4: I think this should have been one or two, (laughs) (laughs) like seriously, like this should be number one or number two on this entire list. Like I don't, uh, the fact that it's in the thirties is the main issue I take with it, but it, but it definitely is a song and all of the only thing that I mean maybe maybe new Nathan and Detroits but
1: like the uh, uh, new Nathan Detroit sure uh, I also think uh, forever got shorter is probably my personal favorite that, yeah
4: the, that's a great choice too I, but I, I think that yeah I think that like top top three <laughs> it's it, it really is just completely distills like m- the Midwest emo sound in a way that like,
1: perfected it i think we should pass a law to make it illegal to talk shit about braid i think Mm -hmm. my favorite thing about braid is just kind of the way that braid itself was a logical progression from friction bob nana's other older bands yeah uh, but also how braid logically progressed themselves throughout the 90s the last the
4: last seven inch was some of their best stuff yeah before i mean before they got back together but mm-hmm. the, the Please Drive Faster 7 inches, some of their best stuff, and like that was, you know, just, it was all, every single step they took was a progression and got better and better, and then, yeah, it was, and even the, even the, the new albums, or the new, that, that EP they put out after they got back together, I wasn't sold on it when I first got it, but then I saw them play some of the songs live, and I was, then I was hooked, and it like, it just, it made, it made more sense and like everything, yeah came together, um, I don't know. They just, they're so important for that period of time and that scene, and, uh, should have gotten, should have gotten a little higher there.
1: Braid, I've always said, are a band that were forever and will forever be ahead of their time. I think it's always been hard for people to catch up to what Braid did. I can't think of another band that knew what they wanted to do and kept pushing it further in the emo scene as much as Braid did.
2: a lot of songs on this album sound like they could fall apart at any point but they never do and it, like yeah. it just amazes me every time i listen to it
4: and also the best drummer like
2: yeah hands yeah.
4: down the best the best drummer of that entire era
1: the fact that none of their songs necessarily have hooks per se but they are all catchy and memorable in their own way i think i think speaks to the complexity and propulsion of their songwriting yeah um 35 how do you feel about how do you feel about this being one spot ahead of Bray? <laughs> I, I
4: think I think it's I think it's pretty rude, but they, you know we all we all make our choices and we have to live with them. But uh, <laughs> I I just I mean uh, Fallout Boy was a pop punk band. They 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 always they were the only, like the only thing that was emo, I guess was. Pete Wentz's sad sack lyrics.
2: Andy Hurley uh, has cred. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, they, they all have massive. They, massive they,
4: yeah, they 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 all came. Uh, they all they were all they were all around. They all did really good stuff before Fallout Boy. And I don't I I don't begrudge anyone popularity or like getting big. I I, I don't I don't believe in the concept of selling out mm-hmm. for the most part. But I I I just I don't
1: think Fallout Boys. Emo, either. Uh, in case, in case the listeners haven't gathered, this is Fall Out Boy. Sugar, we're going down. I don't even think that if you're doing a close listen, to Fall Out Boy emo is the genre that you would trace it back to. You would probably trace it back to hardcore, or sorry, like specifically more like the '90s metalcore type stuff, because they they even call themselves uh, Chicago Softcore for like their first couple years of existence. Really, I think what what defined their style was that kind of chuggy guitars, uh, melodic leads lying over it. And then Patrick Stump, who, if in all fairness, has an amazing voice? And the fact that he's able to like take Pete Wentz's lyrics and make something resembling an extremely catchy melody out of it is an achievement into itself unto itself.
4: Yeah, I like that, um I, I like uh, unconventional songwriting like that. But I just still stand by it. They shouldn't be on the list. This is the 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 next one too. This is great. <laughs> I
3: mean, like the most the most like emo thing about Fallout Boy
1: is their ridiculously long song titles. Let's be real. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Well, I'd actually make an argument that you could take like the the verses, like the guitar work in the verses of the song, and trace it back to emo a little bit. There, there is like a little bit of like the Midwest emo gentle caressing thing going on, um, but even that is like not a thing they did really anywhere else on the album or anywhere else in their discography i think that this is my favorite like Fall Out boy record it's the one i listen to the most for sure
3: i never like at one point thought that i was like listening to an emo band it's definitely like super reminiscent of pop punk it's i mean it is like early pop punk you know i never really thought of it as anything different i'm surprised to see it on the list honestly
1: well no i'm not but no i am surprised it's uh fallout boy's first appearance is higher than my chem's first appearance though fallout boy are still around and s- more popular than ever somehow. Andy's
4: new band sect is one of my favorite new hardcore
1: bands.
2: Oh, that band. Like that's band good. That's got yeah. a see. Syrac-
4: that's got to see guy in it. Collins. It's got Scott from uh, earth crisis. Really? Is in sect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great band. Like that actually I-
3: doesn't surprise me at all. There's surprisingly a lot of really famous Syracuse musicians, like the red jumpsuit apparatus, guitar player, earth crisis, uh,
1: Oh yeah, the drummer from State Champs, you know, there's a lot of people, kind of yeah. interesting. I uh, the this is I think songwriting wise the best follow <clears> up to my album. Yeah, um, definitely. Not my favorite though. My favorite is still Take This to Your Grave. <laughs> 34 Deathcap for Cutie, a movie script ending. Can we just skip this one. Like <laughs> I don't really have much to say about like Death Cab. They're they're good, but just strike I've it I've never from heard them. this song.
4: They the other the Death Cab for Cutie are great. I love them, but they like they they belong on this list as much as Weezer like which is not
1: <laughs> I could make an argument for putting the song title track on this list if I re- really really wanted to but I don't particularly so let's move on <laughs> 33 mineral Gloria Hell yeah so- the, the first sentence of this write-up more than any form of punk rock emo is interconnected with theology that's interesting that's a, um,
4: that's a, that's a, that's a flat-out lie. <laughs> uh, that, is a, I, I, that is an irresponsible sentence.
1: This is KrishnaCore erasure. Yeah, exactly. I'm, <laughs>
4: not, I'm, not, I'm not standing for that.
1: It is really interesting that a lot of emo bands were outright or very subtly Christian. Even, like, Further Seems Forever I have, like, hints of that. And yeah, but, but they came from Christian hardcore. i I yes, would say that I hardcore.
4: would say that I would say that Christian hardcore is is way more inter like or hardcore is way more interconnected with theology because Christian hardcore is way huger and way more of a thing than Christian emo. So that's a that's, a, that's, a, that's it. That's all I'm gonna say about that.
1: We want to take it a step further. metalcore. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, for sure. It, it like I mean, all the guys on further seems forever were mostly in strong arm. Which yeah. was a Christian hardcore band, and then like, you know that. So that's where that all came from.
1: Side note: Strongarm are fucking phenomenal. Um, oh, yeah. They're just amazing. <laughs> Christian shy halud in a sense. So the song. <laughs> it's a, this is a great fucking song. This is, I think, uh, my favorite Mineral song, and it probably is also the Mineral song. Uh, lots of lots of people compare mineral especially the early stuff to sunny day real estate and i can hear it but i don't think it's to the point where you could even consider mineral anywhere close to being a sunny day real estate ripoff does that I mean, timeline it, even work it it, it does because this record came out in 97 diary came out in 94 yeah but, I mean,
4: there's a there's a sunny day real estate influence for sure
1: yeah and i i can hear it but the production, which, by the way, the production on this record feels like chewing tinfoil, um, <laughs> right? uh, I, I think helps distance uh, Mineral from Sunny Day. And also, the vocals are just really, really far away from anything Jeremy and Ike was even trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Probably uh, one of the most concise and energetic Midwest emo songs which at this time, I think well, that that genre was known a lot for like these kind of loping plotting songs that built up for four or five minutes and then paid off. and mineral especially were in that in that realm. but this song's just like a front to back banger
4: yeah i I would have chosen parking lot off this record, but that's besides the besides the writing about it, I think Gloria has a great choice.
2: My favorite song is Anne Serenading.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, "anserinating" yes, that record, that record, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and "anserinating" is is a a huge track. I yeah. love that album. I love that album that and that song especially.
1: I I think "anserinating" more than uh, American football even is the reason that a lot of modern emo sounds the way it does personally. Thirty two Dag Nasty circles. Uh, this has been a debate I've had before. Kind of the the assertion that Dag Nasty was part of the Revolution Summer scene, to from what I've managed to glean from the many oral histories of this era, they kind of were, but kind of weren't simultaneously, because um, they I I feel like Dag Nasty was much closer to like driving melodic rock than. Kind of like the introspective, expressive outgrowth of hardcore that defined a lot of the Revolution Summer stuff, and I think you could make more of an argument for Dag Nasty being an influence on like Gorilla Biscuits and all all sorts of melodic hardcore after that, much more than you could for Dag Nasty being like a seminal emo band. That being said. I am not going to put up a fight with this being on this list especially since it's such a perfect fucking song.
5: Yeah, I I,
4: I think it's if you're going to choose a Dagnasty song, this is the one and uh it, it, I think it's is okay on the list and I'm surprised it's as high as it is just because it's not as big as some of the songs that came before it. But I'm not going to I'm not going to argue with Nina at this point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a god tier Oh, god right. here what do you think
2: about the line that says come across or circles come across like it could have been written by a young brand new or cloud nothings
4: i don't the brand new part i i just don't i i didn't find anything good or interesting about brand new when i listened to them <laughs> so I, I i can't i can't back that up at all but cloud nothings sure yeah there's they definitely i could i could see that i think i always think of cloud nothings more as a husker do
1: uh right mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah 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 uh,
4: but dag nasty yeah that that makes sense
1: i'm surprised there's there's they're kind of delving into like the emo genesis bands here i'm surprised there's not more love for like Husker du or articles of faith or squirrel bait on this list yeah. that I, seems I, like I
4: don't, they don't like any of those bands could have taken the place of dag nasty yeah mm-hmm. probably
1: i i can maybe kind of hear the Cloud Nothings thing. When it comes to brand new, I think circles sounds more like something like the Rookie Lot would write more than Mm. uh, anything from brand new themselves. But I can kind of maybe vaguely see where this is coming from. Uh, 31, Alkaline Trio, Bleeder. I had not heard this song before.
3: It's not the song I would have chosen from Alkaline Trio, but I I didn't
2: really
1: consider Alkaline Trio emo, I guess, either. I never really thought about it. Alkaline Trio are... The, the seminal, gruff, sad pop-punk band, like Proto-Lawrence Arms. Yeah, specifically in that, in Chicago that, right. pop-punk. Yes, yeah. Um, and like Red City Radio. Pretty much everything that came to be labeled as orcore.
3: Is this the song you would have chosen if you had to put them on the list or no?
1: No, no. If I was, if I if I <clears throat> gun to my head, had to put an Alkaline Trio song on an emo list, I probably would have picked Clavicle. Yeah. What yeah, about something they're... like radio, though? Radio is just a classic, though. Yeah.
4: Clavicle would be... Clavicle or um, San Francisco would be a, would have been Rachel's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, San Francisco. San
1: Francisco. San Francisco. For sure. uh, maybe even, like, sorry about that. Yeah. Pretty much anything from God damn It. The more that we're
2: talking about it, I feel like if we just rushed the internet, just being, like, Alkaline Trios and emo band, people would buy it, and they would be written into emo history.
4: <laughs> I mean, th- that's what this list is doing. So. Sure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but like David Anthony is like top five like
1: biggest Alkaline Trio fans, right? Yes, yes. There, there was no doubt in my mind when I got to this one that the violin would be David Anthony. Yeah.
4: <laughs> when th- I, I, I saw them, I saw them on this tour, and they'd even made a shirt that had stars on it as a joke. Um, that people called them emo then like they they had a t-shirt that like had like some stars on it, and they were like, yeah, we made an emo shirt as a joke oh
1: because and, of like the the star tattoos, yeah, yeah, and <laughs> the stars and sparrows so they, they even they'd even made like a you
4: know they they were like already goofing on that even in I think it was ninety ninety eight or whatever because i'm i'm seventy two years old <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I wish I wasn't more into Alkaline Trio because then I think I probably would have a lot more to say on this. But as it stands, I'm pretty much a goddamn head. But yeah, so then I I, I can't really argue much in the way for or against the song being on the list except for I would have picked a goddammit track. Yeah. This is a deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, 30, the Cursive, The Recluse.
2: So this is from my favorite Cursive album, but uh domestica is their most emo album that's my only yeah that that, that's my only beef with this track but yeah this is probably cursive's biggest song yes it's It's an amazing song
1: it's weird because my favorite recursive song probably wouldn't belong on on this list um what's your favorite cursive song oh the radiator hums oh yeah perfect yeah
4: that would have been that would have been a great choice
1: yep i think
4: I have, is, I have a like, lot of me- i have a lot of thoughts on cursive but i'm not we don't
2: need to hey that yeah. cur- cursive is my favorite band so we can talk about it
4: for this list's purpose a song off of uh domestica would have been the best choice um if it were up to me i would have probably put break in the new year or uh the uh one of the songs off the the silver scooter split um mm. Yeah, uh, 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 tides rush in would be my other my, my other choice so I don't know
2: That's...
4: <laughs> I, would, uh, uh, go, I would go with deep cuts for cursive
2: yeah there's some really just like when I think of emo I think of some cursive songs cause they're so fucking bleak and uh, their guitars sound like fucking band saws <laughs> on some of their songs yeah. but like for the sake of like a commercial emo list I think
1: the recluse is fine uh, so, I think sonically, y'all are probably right. The Domestica is probably their most emo record. But I remember listening to the Ugly Organ um, in preparation to see Curse of Live and texting Kyle wow, this record really is just like Tim Casher slitting his wrists in your ears <laughs> for an extended period of time. Mm. Uh, um, this band, I think, does such a good job of not being able to be put in a box that it it's almost weird to me that this many years later they're considered to be primarily emo. That's like generally the consensus I hear, but they are like quintessentially post hardcore, right? Like in the sense of taking a hardcore base and just stretching it far past the confines of what hardcore could be considered. Yeah. Uh,
2: that's the weird thing about cursive is like they're, they're in the sight line of so many genres like the the ugly organ got a lot of like like rolling stone love (laughs) when it came out and like pitchfork love and then post hardcore people were fucking with it there was a tour that was fucking against me mastodon and cursive
1: (laughs) (laughs) holy shit i don't remember the lyric but i remember posting a lyric uh on my like first facebook many years ago from a cursed song from this album and my mom was like delete that
2: was <laughs> it my egos like my stomach i
1: keep shitting what i feed yes. It? yes 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 that was it <laughs> holy fuck uh i also once posted the lyrics of the best ever death metal band out of denton by mountain goat so my mom was like delete that too was it hail satan <laughs> yeah "Hail satan <laughs> She was like, you're friends with your teachers. And I was like, I should change that. So I made a new Facebook account. (laughs) Um, 29, Motion City Soundtrack, Let's Get Fucked Up and Die. This uh, this write-up starts out fucking great. According to developmental psychologists, while most people begin to detect sarcasm through tone around age 8, it takes until age 11 to understand sarcasm in its best form. (laughs) Deadpan, blunt, and unflinchingly solemn jabs at your own expense. I think... Motion City Soundtrack uh, are a phenomenal fucking band. I think that is part of why they aren't considered to be the same level as like other bands of the era, like New Found Glory um, or Fall Out Boy. Uh, it's it's because even even more than Fall Out Boy, who I think kind of are the are the definition of like sarcastic lyrics. Uh, Motion City Soundtrack are They are sarcastic, but they also come from an even more exceedingly dark place, uh, owing to Justin Pierre like literally being a meth addict before the before the band started uh, and just writing so bluntly about alcoholism and addiction and self destruction i I really wish that they kind of had crossed over into that point where people. Could look past those lyrics and become the biggest band in the world because they fucking deserve that. Their songwriting is so good.
2: I never really had like a phase with this band, but this was certainly like the song that was getting passed around the most at like my middle school at the time or high school at the time. I don't know. Just because it was so fucking like blunt and hard on its sleeve.
1: Yeah. This record as a whole has some of like the the most bleak lyrics that I think Justin Pierre ever wrote like if you listen to the song Better Open the Door uh yeah yeah I've listened to this full album okay um yeah that song is like fucking bleak and sad uh (laughs) but it's also simultaneously like fucking catchy as hell like the lyrical dissonance that Motion City soundtrack is capable of is on a completely other level I also think Justin Pierre is underrated as like a vocalist. Uh he he has like a really pleasant timbre and really good range, I think.
2: Yeah.
5: He
1: can he can move through those notes, you know?
2: Honestly, he 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 like writes like some kind of emo or punk guy that would write a really good book or novel. Yes.
1: Yes, I would love to see a Justin Pierre book, uh especially because uh, Keith Buckley's books are really fucking oh, yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. And and I think Justin Pierre lyrically shares a lot with with uh, Keith Buckley. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think it's interesting to see Motion City soundtrack here because I know a lot of people would consider them just straight up pop punk or power pop. But if you go back to like their really early stuff, they actually are like very derivative of Midwest emo and post hardcore.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it took them a while to get to like this extremely polished point i think it also took them a while for Justin Pierre to really get a grasp on this this type of lyricism collins you've been quiet
3: yes i have <laughs> I, I never really listened to, i never really listened to motion city town track i'll be honest it's just, just Holy
1: like fuck change yeah
3: media yeah, yeah i was gonna have to I, after listening to that exchange i'll probably go back um it was one of those bands that like all my like my friends that i listen to like mcr with and stuff like loved motion city soundtrack but i just for some reason never really li- check it out so
1: you have never even heard uh heard uh everything is all right
3: uh probably not i'll be honest like i when i listen to music it's like in binge form so like if i'm listening to something it's just like i only listen to that for like a month or two and then i go on so if i haven't binged
1: them i probably haven't really listened to much of them no i feel like everything is all right has been on a ton of like movie soundtracks
3: and then I could have heard it. I mean, honestly it's possible.
1: Yeah. That that was a fucking huge song. And when I saw them with the, with the wonder years, they played everything is Alright" Like third in the set. And I was like, (laughs) okay, this is going to be, this is going to be a real good motion city soundtrack set. (laughs) I only saw them on their final
2: tour. And of course, two years later they're touring again.
1: I, I think the breakup was like mandated for like label reasons And as soon as like, as soon as Justin did his solo record, I think they were clear to come back. That's
3: what I heard. Yeah, yep. I've heard, I've heard that song. I just listened to it on Spotify. That (laughs) is super 2005. That sounds like now I, so I used to listen to like the weird, like, like the obscure, like shitty pop punk because it reminded me of like middle school. And now I understand where all those bands got their songs from. Oh, yeah. Big like time. it's super reminiscent of like all those like local like local pop punk bands that i used to see like touring through syracuse that makes a lot of sense
1: uh, i'll give you a cookie if without googling you can guess who produced this album i couldn't even fucking begin to imagine it's not jay robbins is it no no way off in fact kirk <laughs> no mark compass oh i don't uh, know yeah.
5: <laughs> that's
1: that's yep. fun <laughs> yeah I, uh did i even know patrick, he was a producer he doesn't do much production work but okay. he tried his hand with this record and i think it worked real real well it
0: also patrick really stump,
1: yeah patrick stump does uh some backing vocals at the end of everything is all right that's which, cool that's a cool mashup which is cool because justin pierre uh does the guest vocals in the bridge of chicago so two years ago by fallout boy <laughs> So six degrees of separation with all these Midwest pop-punk bands This is Seth are you back. Uh, you got any thoughts on motion city soundtrack
4: I uh, the pop-punk band. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know <laughs> They're they're a good pop-punk band, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have put them on this list uh,
1: The excuse that a lot of pop-punk bands get when they get put on these lists is oh their lyrics are sad Which I think normally is bullshit, but uh, the the lyrics of most city soundtrack are so overwhelmingly sad that I can kind of see it. (laughs) (laughs)
4: I uh, I have I've never heard their older stuff, so I gotta check that out. If you're if you're saying it, it's
1: a little oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, they have like 97 demos that are like straight up emo. Um, Speaking of straight up emo, Don Martin Three Transistor. This is this is like. A name that was given to the song way after the fact right like yeah. I don't think Don Martin 3 named their songs kind of similarly yeah. to In Summer this is a perfect fucking song Nina did it again yeah, Nina did I, it again
5: yeah.
4: I'm, I I wanted to talk about this list for two reasons one of them Weezer's not an emo band and two there's a Don Martin 3 song on this list those are the two main reasons <laughs> that I wanted to talk about this list i can't believe that a a don martin three song made made a top anything list in 2020 so this is a this is some some real deep stuff that is essential to the you know the sound for sure
1: yeah this is like this isn't emo with any type of Qualifier. This isn't like oh, this is Revolution Summer emo. This isn't oh, this is Midwest emo. This isn't oh, this is emo pop. This is emo, like capital E. One of the one of the first fucking songs I think of, um, and this whole record because this is a this comes off a split with Moonraker and Hope Springs Eternal, um, and I think that's probably in my Desert Island Top Five, uh, quote unquote, real emo uh, splits of. Up- there with uh lincoln and hoover like absolutely fucking perfect this is music that sounds like it's barely holding itself together
3: i feel like that's a phrase that's been that's been repeated quite a couple times Mm -hmm. in this in this list
1: that's part of what makes emo emo because hardcore is emotional like as as we've talked about and as ian MacKay so famously proclaimed i think what what makes emotive hardcore its own thing is it being so intense that it it sounds like you can't even keep yourself together, yeah. you know. Yeah. Also, Don Martin Three, another Florida band. Something's in the fucking water in Florida. That, I think. That, like- that, seriously, that era
4: of like Florida, what, the music coming out of Florida is is one of the the best scenes for that music. Same, it's like similar to San Diego in that um, the early nineties like mid nineties era. It, it's just like so many amazing bands came out of Florida at the
1: time. It, it was, yeah, it was crazy. And the thing that's interesting about Florida is it's so fucking huge that the scenes in Florida themselves were very insular, like throughout the state. Yeah. Um, the Gainesville scene and the Pensacola scene were not the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's incredible that this many years down the line, uh, we could still go back and look at Florida bands and be like, "Oh shit, this is where all this came from." Is Hot Water Music on this list? Have we come across a Hot Water Music song yet? No. Nope. They have. They haven't been on it yet. I don't think they are. Uh, 27. Everyone, everywhere. I feel exhausted. It's and we're way back to... too fucking okay. high. <laughs> I'm like,
3: I'm like, honestly shocked that this is this high on here, even on
1: here at all. Like, I love this band, but I was like, I saw this and I was like, oh shit. Back when I was uh, getting into Emo Revival, everyone everywhere was, like, first on the lips, you know? And especially, I think, because of this record. This record blew the fuck up. Not in, a not in like, a broad blog sense, but, it, like, within the scene. I'm not surprised to see it on this list, but I am absolutely surprised to see it at 27. I was expecting <laughs> yeah. to see it, like, in the 80s.
2: Um, we kept going back and forth about this band when we were doing the Decade stuff, and it was kind of like, yeah, this... Band isn't like one of our favorites, but like I think this was like one of the the bands that kind of got attention, and people were like, "Oh, there are bands that still sound like this." Yes, big time. That that was kind of the win in its sales to like, get it to number twenty seven,
1: I guess. Can I have a have a hot take? I would switch the song's place with the "Cathedral" song. I would I would trade mm. those two. Yeah. Also. Maybe. The the end of this write up, the Deftones inspired bridge. If I had a fucking quarter for every time in the past three years that I've seen the phrase Deftones inspired, uh, in in a music write up, I would be able to pay off the rest of my student loans. (laughs) All right, twenty six. Drive like Jehu. Do you compute? Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Oh, thanks, David Anthony, for uh, shouting out (laughs) SASScore.
4: drive like Jehu are, are they're more rocking than a lot of the bands of the time but they were they were r- right there with everybody and the i uh, just really really important to especially california scene at the time
1: yeah yep. i think uh as like jittery and elliptical as drive like jay were um they always struck me as very like sinewy and muscular. This band had like a power to them that is why they're still so uh, popular and well-respected so many years down the line. And I think that also has to do a lot with, uh, with the members uh, going on to, you know... Producing Blink-182. Well, producing Blink-182, sure. <laughs> uh, Mark Trombino, shout out. Uh, but also uh, Rocket from the Crypt, that I feel like people forget that they were actually like fucking huge for a hot second. And there's another big band that I'm thinking of Hot I'm Snakes. Googling them right now. Hot Snakes. Yes. Yes, yeah. that's uh yeah, that's these two guys that are mentioned here, Rick Froberg and John Rice. And there was another like sassy band that uh they were in that I think is not well known now and unfortunately I'm forgetting the name of them. But also I appreciate the shout out to Pitchfork in this in this write up uh, cuz Pitchfork were a great fucking band and uh, laid the groundwork for Drive Like Jehu in a big way. Yeah. Um, they, they
4: did they were they were in that that whole that early 90s uh, the early 90s San Diego scene which is like created so many so many great bands.
1: Uh, is this is this the song?
4: Um, I mean Bullet Train to Vegas maybe
5: would be, Yeah. I, yeah.
4: I, is would be my choice, but I mean that was that was also on the Don't Forget to Breathe comp, so that mm,
1: yeah. sort of puts it
4: puts it makes it a l- even even a little more emo to me.
1: <laughs> mine mine would be Here Come the Rome Plows personally.
2: Um, is there any like discussion in Drive Like Jehu versus Yank Crime, or like the self titled versus Yank Crime, or is everyone kind of Team Yank Crime? I'm
1: Team Yank Crime personally. I-
4: I feel like I feel like most people are team Yankering.
1: Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh shit. shit. Twenty five. Pedro the Lion options. This this is a brutal song. Not in a death metal way, but in a fuck. I feel genuinely worse about myself after listening to this song. Yeah. <laughs> but in a great way. Yeah. <laughs> I think Pedro the
2: Lion's always been a little bigger than Emo, too, like they're indie they're uh i feel like i'm surprised by who finds out about pager of the lion because they they usually have like a christian past and they kind of found them to uh cut ties with their yeah. religious past yeah
1: yeah uh Page of the lion is a big in my experience uh with like music fans who are ex-christians Page of the lion is real big with them like yeah. they're a big loss of faith band well, yeah, I mean, um,
4: yeah, because David, because David Bazan is is so outspoken about his own struggles with that yeah. and like his own his own path. Because I mean, yeah, because he he was on tooth and nail when he first started, and, mm-hmm. and then questioned his faith and has been very vocal about all that. It's it's a uh, mm-hmm. that makes sense.
1: Even though, as you said, Kyle, page of the lion is kind of bigger than emo. Uh, I I think control is. Top down an emo record. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. definitely indie rock influenced emo, but still recognizably emo. Options is, of course, the song, but if I was making my own special list, I'd put second best here. Um, I think the climax of second best is like heavier than most hardcore breakdowns. <laughs> Collins, Page of the Lion thoughts?
3: I like Page of the Lion. I'm not like as like well versed as all of you are in the band but um, it doesn't surprise me they're in the top 25 I think we're like reaching that point where now I'm seeing all these songs in the top 25 and I'm like yeah this this makes sense
1: and I think Pedro yeah. line fits in on that in that number 24. City of Caterpillar, and you're wondering how a top floor could replace heaven. Re- Repeater records of
4: recording artists. City of C-
1: <laughs> <laughs> is a uh,
3: is City of Caterpillar. Are they like a an intro to this genre band, or are they like a on the t- obscure side? Like I I I like them a lot, but I've kind of found them randomly, so I'm I'm not really sure if they're like a like
4: no, a they're favorite. They're first tier. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. Like I, I, I was in a second tier screamo band at the same time, and they were they were definitely more popular. The this I, I mean the fact that this is as high as it is is great. I obviously like City of Caterpillar. I put out their I re- reissued their record, so uh, biased thinking that, yeah, that uh, should be in the top twenty five, especially this track was a great choice too. Um, it's uh, the way they the way they built sound and like created feelings is with the music is more is uh one of the most important things about that about them and the, you can like just them just like the way they layer things and the way the chords work it just makes you you know you feel it it's it's a very cathartic listen
3: yeah i yeah. like how they build like their their the way that they build throughout the songs is really like i don't know like you said cathartic is a good way for when the kind of songs kind of hit their climax but that just them um, building over the course of like seven minutes is always like fun to listen to.
1: I I think along with Envy City of Caterpillar are probably the band most responsible for bringing post rock influence into screamo. I think is very very important for that genre's development. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like like Seth was saying, they are first here emo. I think when people are first getting into emo, they kind of get into that circle of. Page ninety nine, City of Caterpillar, Majority Rule, all around the same time because of the interband connections. I think uh, Screamo itself, while not necessarily being like uh, an entry level genre, in the context of Screamo, City of Caterpillar are pretty entry level. And not but, in a bad, way. not in a bad way. Entry level <laughs> bands are normally entry level for a fucking reason. <laughs> like you, you can't catch me talking shit about uh, Circle Takes a Square in your life, and they're entry level as fuck. I think I think that's all that needs to be said about City of Caterpillar. A perfect fucking band, not not one flaw on this record. The unreleased songs that have popped up have also been like phenomenal. Well,
4: the re- the recording, the recording of that, the original recording of that record was a flaw, and the the uh, the remaster that we did sounds a lot better. <laughs> Just
1: that's
5: a two yeah. mile horn, but <laughs> it, really, it really does. <laughs>
1: Alright, uh, we ready to move on to 23? Yep. Yes. I'm, I'm good, yeah. Alright. All right. 23, the hotelier, your deep rest. Fuck yes. This is the song. The, yep. this yeah. Is the song. I don't know what we could say about the song that we didn't already say in our Home Like No Places There rundown. That's right.
2: It's almost like a deconstructed pop punk song in some senses. Yes.
1: Yes. And apologies to Christian for all the people who come to them saying, Oh, I get it, you're depressed. So <laughs> um
2: I at least uh made a case for myself not knowing that home like no place is theirs. There's no place like home backwards because I ran a poll and a lot of people were like,
1: <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. And I'm sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> because the song is so perfect, I think it's uh prudent to move on to a song that maybe we have more to say about being on this list. Uh, especially this high 22 dashboard confessional hands down let's be real though it's the right dashboard song like if you had to no, no, <laughs> no 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 <laughs> I love this song that's a great song not only is this not the dashboard song this isn't even like the version of hands down that I'd put if I had to put hands down what would you, I'd put what the would you if I had to do hands down I put the so impossible version that is acoustic it's it's so obviously screaming infidelities.
3: Or Okay, I, I knew you were gonna say that. I fucking knew you were gonna say that. I don't know why, but I knew you
2: were gonna say that. That's th- a good I mean song that's
4: too. that's what that's what I would think too and I don't even really know Dashboard confession.
1: I hardly know yeah, anything it's... about dashboard. But I know this song. The thing is, dashboard has several fucking songs that could be on this list. Like if you want to do like uh, like coming at it from like a more quote unquote true perspective, you'd put this bitter pill because Chris like literally just breaks down and sobs like in a genuine <laughs> sense at the end of that song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or if you wanted to do like a totally mainstreamified version of this list, you'd put "Vindicated" the Spider-Man song. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> Wait, which Spider-Man movie was that in? Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Okay.
1: You've heard. You have to have heard that song, right, Collins? Of course. Of course. <laughs> okay. Okay, Um, I'm
3: like I'm like a I wouldn't say I'm like a huge dashboard fan, but I like I like really like dashboard.
1: Dashboard is a really fucking good band, like on a pop songwriting level, almost good enough to make up for the fact that Chris Caraba is like one of the worst lyricists who has ever walked this earth.
3: Well, that's why that's that's my beef with Screaming Infidelities. I feel like he came up with one cool line, and was like, yes. And I just have to keep saying it over and over because it's so cool. <laughs> like, honestly, like, yeah. it's kind of it's kind like your hair is everywhere, screaming infidelities and making its wear or whatever. Like, I don't really I guess I get it, but it's it's kind of silly. And the fact that it just repeats over and over for like three
1: minutes is just kind of annoying. Yeah, there's worse lyrics in that song. Like, I'm cuddling close to this bottle of beast, which <laughs> which masks like the one like real witty turn of phrase where he's like I'm wondering how you're making out and then he says I wish I was anywhere with anyone making out by dashboard standards that's actually kind of witty even though it's uh, cringy coming from literally any other person on earth but yeah uh, hands down is a good song no clue why this is the one picked Um, sorry Nina genuine apologies you've done so good (laughs) All right. Any other dashboard thoughts? All right. 21, Taking Back Sunday, A Decade Under the Influence. Oof. (laughs) I feel weird complaining about this song, given the fact that we have an entire series on our podcast named after it. This is not the Taking Back Sunday song. It's just not. Yes, that's true. It's true.
4: I think, I think there should be zero, but <laughs> that's just my take on the situation.
1: I personally would have gone with Your So Last Summer here. Um, we have two My Chem songs from the same album.
3: Which I also, dis- I also disagree with, though. I think that you could have ch- chosen another song besides Helena.
1: Yeah, spoilers. Um <laughs> and I know it's impossible that someone would have picked a Bullets song from I Come to be on this list, but bygones are bygones. I don't really like where you want to be. Um, in fact, I don't particularly like any Taking Back Sunday albums except for Tell All Your Friends. So.
3: You don't like the smash hit, Happiness Is?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, have I ever told you about the time that I saw Taking Back Sunday with Every Time I Die? Was it the worst? They actually kind of ripped, except for the fact that most of their songs suck. Adam is, like,
3: Adam is like a notoriously bad singer live. So I'm surprised
1: that you thought that. Well, I have somehow now seen them twice and he's actually been rather good both times. Um, but uh, when I saw them with every time I die, there was just this literally like 50 to 60 year old man who kept looking over at me and my buddy, Josh whenever we sang along to a song from Tell Your Friends and just, like, patting us on the shoulder and being like, yeah, man, back in my day, which is his day was the, the fucking Yardbirds and the Zombies. So,
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, as Collins can tell you, they're hit or mess. <laughs> they're, like, no choice. To- like, I remember that was, like, the first thing that I,
3: like, remember hearing about <clears throat> taking Back Sunday when I got uh, into them when I first heard them,
1: was like, yeah, don't see them live if you like them on the record. Adam does no longer swings the mic though. That's not a thing he really does anymore. Was, yeah. Was that
3: was that? Did Adam like? Did he like kind of? I don't want to say create because I'm sure somebody else did it before. But was he the one that was really like the forefront of that like mic uh, swing
4: movement? Was, there were a bunch of Orange County bands that did that crap. Yep. 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 <laughs> and and-
1: which is a, which is a Fugazi thing.
5: I
3: feel like it just like the mic swing, like the pink tape on the microphone swinging it and stuff like was just so quintessentially like just, just so quintessential. I feel like in that genre, especially for like local bands that wanted to be taking back Sunday, I can name you like five Syracuse local bands that did the same shit.
4: I was, I played, I actually played a show in, in Syracuse many years ago. Um, and uh the one there was a the singer from one of the other bands was like in the like quote unquote backstage area practicing swinging his mic. It was one what year the, was this the, It was two this was 2005 andtter right one of one of the lamest things I've ever seen in my life.
3: I guarantee it was Honor Bray. I'd love it if you could find the if you could find the flyer because I would bet money that it was honor Bray and the, the person doing that was Lame de because Lame de <laughs> like did that. Like all the time, like literally, would practice backstage and shit.
4: It was embarrassing, like for
3: everybody. <laughs> no, no, they were like they like they played my friend's sixteenth birthday party. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like if that puts it into perspective.
4: What was it? What was that band's name
3: again? I gotta look this up. Honor Bright. They had a song called or- Home as a Home as a Heartache that they played okay. on TRL. Okay. They okay. played it with TRL. They played TRL with with three o three and Never Shout Never. No oh, god.
4: <laughs> All right, I'm going to look this up.
3: I really hope it's the same guy.
1: <laughs> oh, shit, we're only at the top 20. And it's also going to be hard because this is where a lot of, like, th- the best songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're part of it. <laughs> uh, so, 20, Piebald, American Hearts. This is an emo band that I am more surprised people don't know is political. Like, they have lots of non-political songs, of course, but they have, like, a fair amount of, like, sociopolitical commentary in their songs. And surprisingly enough, their biggest hit is probably their most openly sociopolitical song. (laughs) Great fucking song. Holy fuck. Like, I love Piebald. And off kilter, like just like this offbeat sense of humor that permeates, like, even in the music. My favorite song from this album is Long Nights, though. Yeah. <laughs> we're nobody's robots, we're nobody's monkeys. <laughs> Not even in a bad way. Yeah, I love Piebald, and they are are one of the bands where you can literally see going through their material that they are hardcore kids. Like mm. a lot of a lot of these types of bands you have to like go back to their ex-members of lists to see that they are hardcore kids but like when you go back to like sometimes friends fight it's it's extremely obvious that they were like homies with Caven and homies with Converge. Like yeah, Kurt Bleu produced a couple of their albums.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I'd stop. I'd stop um, listening to them at this point. But I was a, I was a, a very, very big how sometimes friends fight, fan.
1: Yeah, I, I love, pretty much all their material up to and including this record. But after that, I kind of fall off. Um, anything else on Piebald? Nope. All right. This is number nineteen, and this is also the song that I am most pissed that it's placing. <laughs> Should be I top would, ten to you. I I would literally switch the song with number one. <laughs> I think this is the yeah. In a historical sense, this is the emo song. Um, Indian Summer, Angry Sun slash uh, Woolworm. If we're uh, hewing to the apparent wishes of the Indian Summer members. <laughs> If anyone can make an argument to me that this is not the definitive emo song, the most emo song that's ever been committed to tape, um, I will quit this podcast right now.
4: <laughs> oh wow, well, you're you're gonna you're gonna be super sad when I show you this strictly ballroom song. <laughs> so you're gonna have to quit your podcast. <laughs> but uh, but this definitely would have should have been like you know top five i I, I, at least i i don't know um i mean it's good it's in the top 20 but honestly like this is this is where it all comes from like all of the like anything that's like screamo or or midwest emo i I think comes from this like and uh it was it was a huge huge influence
1: to the point where, like, even Jimmy Eat World name drops Indian Summer in interviews.
4: Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, their their reach is is so is so far-reaching. Like, it it just their their influence is so far-reaching; it's crazy.
1: Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, they've become like one of the only bands of this era and style of emo that like Midwest and emo pop kids like can think to name, which is a shame because I'd appreciate if more people like. Shouted out Native Knot or Whatever but I also think that Everything they Put out was fucking phenomenal So I'm, at a, I'm in between a rock and a hard place on that one uh, um, And I think it's interesting That they are followed by number 18 Radio by Christy Front Drive Because Christy Front Drive are Another absolutely Quintessential band in the development of Emo i was um, surprised by how far up this is though
2: even though I'm they are quintessential i feel like yeah they... I, I
4: i'm not I, I think that they took the i think that they took the poppiness of emo and really made it made that uh made that a, a part of the part of the genre i think they they did that by themselves mostly and you know like the jimmy world wouldn't have been who they are without them and Yep. It's just, yeah it's yeah and the, the whole midwest emo thing wouldn't have been what what that was without christy front drives um influence so i i think this is i,
2: I guess I think i'm this, surprised because it's like they aren't like the second band name out of someone's lips when talking about midwest emo these days
3: i think it's one of the first um youtube videos that pops up if you type in like midwest emo um <laughs> honestly on youtube like literally on which YouTube. actually matters
5: <laughs>
1: yeah i i think that christy Fun drive were masters of putting together these gorgeous uh dual guitar parts and just having them like uh t- to make it weird just having like the guitar parts like caress each other like just kind of like pushing them to further and further boundaries and the songs don't like explode the way that mineral songs do but they kind of coast along to like this swelling point and then the tide goes back down and the song's over but yeah perfect song i love christy front drive and i said this before but christy front drive boys life split literally Perfect record. Yep. Um. If you haven't heard that, please listen.
4: Yeah, one of the best splits.
1: Yeah. Sixteen. <laughs> I don't want to talk about seventeen. <laughs> what is going uh, on with that's that? That's fine.
4: Me. But... Yeah, that that shouldn't have been there. That's that, that, was, a, <laughs> that was a that was that was a huge
1: mistake. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh this is up there with. The Bay of Pigs for biggest mistakes <laughs> in
2: American history. <laughs> Straylight Run existentialism on prom night is what we're talking
1: about. Yeah. for
2: those that aren't staring at the list, uh,
1: I literally would rather there be like a like a static lullaby song here. I'm dead serious. I I would rather stick Stickly by attack attack be 17 on this list. existential prom night by Straylight Run. Number 16, Jawbox Savory.
4: Uh, Kim Colette is one of my favorite bass players of all time, and the, I just wanted to say that. I don't know. It's this is a great this is a great record uh, and savory. I mean, definitely more post hardcore than emo, I would say. But it was at the at the time it was very influential on on emo and like the the way the song way songwriting was progressing.
1: Yeah. Um, 1994 was a cool year, um, primarily because of Dookie, uh, in that you could see Jawbox, Sunny Day Real Estate, and Shutter to Think uh, get MTV play to some degree. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really a, a, like a crime in major label history. That this record caused Jawbox to kind of dissolve, and I think it's uh, been vindicated in history because it's the best Jawbox record. And David Anthony kind of threw me off in the middle of the sentence because he compared the song to "Blind" by Corn.
4: <laughs> okay, <Sure>. Why not? <laughs> I
1: just, yeah, that ruined my whole train of thought. <laughs> yeah, great song. Uh, the biggest Jawbox song and probably the biggest emo or emo adjacent song of 1994. I think this did get uh, more radio play than seven. If I'm like looking at, looking at charts correctly. Yeah. Great record.
5: So, uh, number
1: 15. I, I,
2: when I saw Jawbox boxes on this list, I was like, okay, I've heard them as emo adjacent. And then I typed them into this band emo when this list came out and it says that they're not an emo band. And I thought it was kind of surprising that like uh, that we're in the top 20 and still like being like, why is this on here? Just for yeah. some of the songs.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I get it. I get it a hundred percent. Um, I get Jawbox, but not Light Run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jawbox, yeah.
4: Jawbox definitely more than Light Run.
1: <laughs> um, Do we want to move on to 15? Yeah because this is a fucking huge one 15 the promise ring is this thing on I think that nothing feels good has gone down as the emo album right this this is the this is the album that anyone who moves past my chemical romance or fallout boy listens to because of Andy Greenwald it's the hook for sure yeah yeah and it's also so immensely catchy like from the fucking get-go just boiling over with energy and passion and hooks Um, and something that I think the promise ring excelled at was uh, especially because on this album the production on the guitar is so thin it allowed the bass to kind of carry the melodies and I think that makes these songs a lot stronger than they would have been if the if the bass was buried or if the guitars were a little heavier and harder
4: yeah, the bass the bass definitely propels the songs. It's it's really um that's a huge part of this album and one of the one of the best bass players at the time too. Like
5: mm-hmm.
4: just like and live too. Just he, it was flawless all the time. It, it was
1: amazing. Oh yeah, um, cuz they would play these songs like at 2x speed live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and it was but yeah, the, this the, I think this could have been top five too. I, I would have, I would have put, uh, I would have put something off. Nothing feels good in the top five.
1: And in a in historical sense, I think it's kind of a shame that the Promise Ring got so big because, uh, in retrospect, they overshadow like Ten Boy Summer and None Left Standing, um, like the the bands that the Promise Ring kind of uh, sprouted out of. In addition to Captain Jazz, who. Of course because of the Kinsella connection are very well remembered um, But mm-hmm. I think a uh, promise ring are The inventors of emo pop and the fact that they came directly from emotive hardcore is very significant Yeah With that said are we ready to move on to number 14?
5: Yeah
2: Damn it was
1: so long <clears throat> since we talked about this band cute without the e cut from the team by taking back sunday uh this is the taking back sunday song obviously yeah this was my favorite song for like 15 years of my life (laughs) i think if uh you have never tried to sing like all of the vocal lines simultaneously (laughs) uh then you are not real emo personally
3: (laughs) (laughs) this uh this was the one that that uh we always covered or like when I was like starting to play shows and I was like 15 like we, you know we'd go play like a coffee house or something and like I had to have a rendition of key without the e like on like at, at re- like ready to go at any point. It's just one of those. It's just anthemic.
1: Yeah, it's a big karaoke song too. Like yeah. um Seth, you do not like taking back sunday at all correct no I don't. I don't i don't get it um yeah that that makes sense uh but i do think that this record in particular had along with bleed american by jimmy Eat world uh it was the biggest like watershed moment for Emo or emo influence bands kind of leaking into the mainstream. Um,
4: oh, yes. It was it was yeah. huge. I I I remember it. I remember it coming out. And I was. I worked at a. I worked at Amoeba Records in San Francisco at the time. It was a. It was a very. It was a big record. I just. I just never never was able to get into it.
1: Um, you know what? That's fair. Um, and also, I respect that uh, because Taking Back Sunday is inadvertently responsible for. Uh, cute is what we aim for and (laughs) all-time low uh, that anyone would hate them. (laughs) Also, shout-out to uh, this part of the write-up, influenced by a combination of the Promise ring, the get-up kids, and (laughs) (laughs) Jay-Z. Emma's been uh, doing real good with these write-ups, but I do want to dispute that. I think uh, one of the I think the biggest influences on Taking Back Sunday are Lifetime, yep. uh, '80s hair metal, and Flava uh, Flave. Flav. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on Taking Back Sunday? All right, uh, Thirteen, The Get Up Kids, Action and Action.
4: I don't know why. I did. should be some. Four Minute Mile. Like, there's. If it's an if it's a top 100 email list, I don't see why it's not a song off a of Four Minute Mile.
2: I think That's, that this really, album has almost gotten on course with Four Minute Mile or surpassed in popularity.
1: It's always been more popular than Four Minute Mile.
4: Yeah, uh, it's more popular, but it's less emo.
5: <laughs> no, yeah, sure. Oh, okay, sure. okay,
1: sure, sure, yeah. Even if you were going to pick uh, an earlier Get Up Kids song from back when they were more emo, I I do think this list would have picked like one of their like poppy outliers from their early years, like um, Don't Hate Me or my personal favorite, uh, Mass Pike.
5: Mm-hmm. Because,
1: yeah, Mass, yeah, Mass Pike.
4: Mass Pike would have been, been a great choice.
1: Would have been a great cho- choice. That's a, four minutes of perfect pop music. Um, but even on something to write home about, this isn't the song, right? Like, that's Holiday? I don't know. I don't know. Or I'll, I'll Catch You? I'll Catch
2: You if you're going for that.
4: Ian, Ian did point out the halftime breakdown, which makes this song. On more in the running than any of the other tracks on the, than the, than some of the other tracks on the record.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is a, it is a you great song. To... I'm not, I'm not complaining about the get up kids. I think they were a, a fantastic band. Also, they were really fun to see live. Like it was just a bunch of like daddy mo peeps, yep. like half singing along. Like, did you was see them like, on their last tour? Bands. Yeah. 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 That was cool. Yeah. And, uh, Matt was super sweet and nice on stage. And it was just like really pleasant. Um, anything else on, uh, the get up kids, you can, you can tell we're trying to like, eat lunch too. Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 12 Rainer Maria planetary.
4: I, I I feel like they should have just had the first Rainer Maria track here. Um,
1: Oh, yep. I think, uh, I don't think historically, like, I mean, this like not as a knock against Raina Maria musically. I mean, in like a historical relevant sense, I don't think Raina Maria deserved two songs on this list.
4: No, I. They, but I mean, I think
1: that
4: I, think that the 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 previous track could have been number twelve, and that would have been fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. God damn it, we were talking about my heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's quintessentially an emo line. But I don't, also don't have anything bad to say about this song. I'm like just um, trying to think of like
2: I it, like I love Planetary, but like it's it's it just kind of sticks out next to like action and action and spoiler 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 as like a top twenty best of all time.
1: Um, especially coming above, god damn it, that Indian summer track. <laughs> yeah, I, I
4: know. I, yeah. I, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of tracks that it surpassed. That it didn't need to.
1: However, coming up on number eleven, we have the first of two songs by another band. I'm not going to say that this band necessarily doesn't deserve to have two songs this high up, uh, but I, I do think it's a, uh, it's a little redundant to not pick one or the other.
2: Mm, yeah,
1: um, yeah, 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 Um, if I was going to pick one or the other, I would pick this one. Eleven Sunny Day Real Estate in Circles. I think this is. Uh, the better of the two, even though my favorite Sunny Day Real Estate song is The Blankness for the Stairs. This is a massive song. Like crushingly big song. Yeah, um,
4: and this was this was also this was also on MTV at the same time as, as Savory and it was a it was a it was a a big deal.
1: And I I think that it gets uh it gets kind of hard to parse sunny day real estate's influence uh on modern emo because they've been talked up so much as like the definitive 90s emo band and people kind of jump straight from rites of spring to sunny day real estate when they talk about the history of the genre even though i don't think there's any bands out there right now that sound like sunny day real estate
2: i kind of wrestle with that too and like (laughs) some people listen to it and just think it sounds just like 90s rock
1: yeah even like when you go to like forfa.com, dot uh, the write up of diary is like, oh yeah, this sounds like Foo Fighters, Smashing Pumpkins, Alterna rock, like
4: yeah. I is... told Andy, I told Andy he was wrong about that, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and it is it is wrong. I don't think it sounds like you know, kind of, nineties arena rock uh, in that sense. But I do kind of see where. He's coming from, uh, just because Sunday day real estate was so fucking big. Like at the time they were the biggest selling record on sub pop next to bleach by Nirvana. Like that's insane. Yes. Nuts. And they Sunny Day real estate were the first emo band to play late night. (laughs) So (laughs) their, their influence is undeniable, but yeah, great, great song. Um, I do think Sunday Real Estate only have one song on this list, though. Uh, number 10 is Puzzling. Very puzzling. Yeah. 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 This is one of those
2: other bands that has been, this is probably like the most recent band that's just been written into emo by journalists. Like, you don't go into a record store and see people talking
1: about this band as an emo band. It's, stri- yeah. it's strictly uh, a journalist thing. Uh, number 10 is Hop Along Tibetan Pop Stars. I don't think this song uh, has anything to do with emo, like, either historically or musically.
2: Joe Reinhardt doesn't like, even
1: play on the song. He recorded yeah, it, yeah, but he exactly. doesn't play <laughs> on it.
4: There's, there's, not even an, there's not even an Algernon uh, <laughs> connect. <laughs>
1: And I, I like the end of this write-up. Arguably, Hopalong never wrote another emo song again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you think?
4: Yeah, sure. Arguably, they never wrote an emo song to begin with.
1: Yeah. So, But I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe in 10, 15 years, we're, we're going to sound like total idiots because uh, Hopalong has been absorbed into the emo canon. But no. as of now, this doesn't make sense.
4: We're gonna sound like idiots because we're insufferable nerds, but
1: oh yes, like <laughs> I, I'm not saying that we're not gonna sound like idiots. I'm just talking about the reason. <laughs>
2: when this album came out, who were they touring with? Like, I don't know this. I don't know the answer to that. But like, when this album came out, no one cared about it really that much.
4: I mean, there there was a the, the Philadelphia the Philadelphia scene at the time was great. Like there were, yeah. I mean, they were they were probably just. Playing with all those rad Philadelphia bands coming coming out at the same time, that was that was a, a really, really good scene. But, I mean, a lot of it was not emo.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, like, in an audience sense, uh, I know a lot of emo kids do like Hop Along, but the band became, like, vice noisy core, you know? Right. So, yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about their inclusion, um but I I think that the number ten spot on an email list could have gone to so many other bands. And there's been some out of nowhere picks like even this high up, but I mean they could have put like a dahlia seat song here. <laughs> you know? Yes. If they if they were gonna if they were gonna put like a like a crazy good song from an underrecognized band, they could have put like a dahlia seed song or fuck like shroom union like yeah. <laughs> there's there's so many other like obscure picks that they could have put here um rather rather than going with tibetan pop songs by hop belong which is a is a song that there are karaoke versions of on youtube <laughs> speaking of karaoke versions on youtube number nine my chemical romance helena <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
1: we're all in agreement that there only needed to be one mike Kim's song on this list, and it maybe could have been much lower, right?
4: Yeah. 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 Sure.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I think Helena's is a great song. Like, definitely a close second to I'm Not Okay in terms of like popularity from that record and in general. I mean, I feel like those are the two like biggest songs besides Welcome to the Black Parade. I'm surprised I didn't choose Welcome to the Black Parade. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've been
1: thinking that the whole time. Like. Yeah. That... I mean. Yeah. That to so many people in America is like emo. They don't go any further than that. So if you're if you're gonna put like the most mainstream of mainstream emo songs up here, uh you could have picked like Welcome to the Black Parade. I
3: would have sacrificed like I'm Not okay and then just thrown Welcome to Black Parade at number nine, probably. I don't I don't know. It's it's hard with a band like my chem. I feel like every they're just like what people people think of as emo. it's like obviously they kind of had to throw in at least you know more than one but
1: and i don't want to shit on them because i think they are a phenomenal band um and their place in emo is undeniable like for better or for worse you know
3: yeah um i wish that i just wish that more people at the risk of sounding like a i don't know hipster or some shit but I just wish that like more people would delve into like a little bit further into the discography cuz I think there's so much more to be enjoyed yeah. other than you know those most
1: five popular songs. Yeah, I I brought you my bullets you brought me your love is uh a top 10 album yeah. like of the 2000s. Like it's a full on 10 out of 10 album. I think Not every single song on is. there. Ex- oh, exactly. I think every single song is so good. Yeah. You got any myChem takes, Seth?
4: No, no. You guys, you guys have covered it pretty well, and I, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. And uh, I like some of their tracks, but I, I'm not uh, definitely not a someone to speak on it.
2: I just wish okay. that the write up um, for this piece defend it instead of just describing a song that everyone has heard.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I agree. I appreciate that it's followed up by uh, number eight, Algernon Cadwallader, or some kind of Cadwallader, though. Uh, and you could have picked literally any fucking Algernon song. Yeah, to there's put like here, ten, 10 of them fine. that would have been super fine. Yeah. Um, yeah,
4: I, I, I think, I mean, the, the chorus on this one just puts it, just puts it a little bit over, any other choice, I think. So that makes it makes it's a good, very good choice. I'm mm-hmm. surprised I didn't pick yeah. Spit Fountain, personally.
1: Oh yeah,
3: yeah for sure. Yeah. I feel like Spitfound um, is like by far like so much more popular than any other song
1: that they have. Yes, that's true. It was,
4: it was, it was also one of the only ones that was on Spotify for a while. Right. Yep. Like you couldn't like you. There weren't any other Algernon
1: releases. Kyle, what was your tweet? Frog spit knuckle tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a long ass time ago. <laughs> uh, that, that was an that was an early hit for us. <laughs> Good tweet. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I do know I have an Algernon tattoo that is a tattoo of the person Algernon Cadwalder.
1: Oh, fun. Oh, okay, word. Yeah. Um yeah, the 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 guitar
4: playing on this track like the the uh, twinkly parts that that are after the, you know, the oh man, it's taking me over and then the twinkly parts that come after that are like just they hit so hard. It's it's me- so memorable. Like just like the way he plays the way he plays guitar on this track. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I do.
3: Uh, I do want to metaphorically pour one out for every DIY kid who's put his guitar in open tuning and has to deal with somebody coming up to them after the set saying, yo, your band sounds a lot like Algernon Coddawaddler.
5: The <laughs> band I sounds
1: have... like Algernon Tadpole, dude. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Happens every single time. <laughs> I have two more things to say on Algernon. Uh... First is I personally would have put if it kills me. I think everyone has like their own pet Algernon song that they would have put here. Uh, second is uh, one time at work there was this uh, there was this person who was like, oh yeah, I really like math rock. So I was like, oh then put on Algernon in the back, um, and see if you vibe. And she listened to it and then came back to me up front and said, I don't think I'm ever going to listen to that band ever again. <laughs> <laughs> honestly like
3: that's kind of fair i feel like they are a little bit grating at some points it's kind of like snowing in the sense that like you kind of have to listen to it a few times to really kind of get it if you're not already into the genre
1: yeah um so now we're at top seven which makes it impossible for us to drop out so (laughs) we gotta just plow through sorry to everyone who wants to eat lunch or for anyone who needs to pee (laughs) um Mm -hmm. number seven writes a spring deeper than inside My literal only gripe with the song is the fact that it is one, the one that comes after it, (laughs) like just switch these two and I would have been (laughs) completely. But is is it is it possible, ever, in in the history, of talking about emo, to not talk about rights of spring?
4: It shouldn't be.
1: No, I mean it's right right up in there in the copy pasta isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, and yet. And yeah there are so many people I know. I did a poll once on Twitter. Does anyone listen to Rites of Spring? And it was 50-50. Like 50% said yes, 50% said no. And literally someone said I think if you I think no one listens to Rites of Spring and you only say you do to sound cool. And, and that hurt me very deeply because I I genuinely love it. <laughs> like th- this band changed everything for me like in the sense of being a hardcore kid and like relearning what hardcore could be capable of.
2: I remember listening to this band for the first time, just like hoping that I connected with it and that I liked it and listening to it and feeling so relieved that
1: I didn't have to act like I loved it because I genuinely loved it. (laughs) Right. Right. However, one small gripe, I would have picked a different rights of spring song. I would have picked end on end. That's it. That's, that's my favorite. That's my favorite
4: one. Yeah, line. I would have done. I would have chosen in on in or or deeper than inside. I think those are both both very. Yeah. solid And, and um, yeah, I, I I do wish it was not uh, behind the next song.
5: <laughs>
1: yeah. I I'm also just glad they didn't pick for want of. <laughs> Why <laughs> yeah. Because that, one, that
2: would have been a coward
1: pick. Because that
2: one has. The lyrics that are kind of extremely like I don't know
1: cringy I mean if I had to pick one writes a spring song with cringy lyrics it would be theme if I, if I started crying would you start crying um, uh, no m- mostly because for want of like sounds less like emo than every other song in this album for want of just sounds like kind of like a heavier joy division song to me interesting yeah uh, and then number six Literally, like, I love Paramore. I love this band. And I'm not even upset that they're on this list. But it is a little bit... No. It's a lot of bit very annoying that they are one spot ahead of Rites of Spring on a list of best emo songs of all time.
4: Yeah, Yeah, Paramore Rule. They're great. I I just don't think that they should be in the top ten.
1: Also, uh, do you think they picked "That's What You Get" on purpose just to not have to write about misery business?
4: Yeah, yes. I absolutely think that that yeah. was, yeah, that was the choice.
1: <laughs> Even though misery business is much better than "That's What You Get." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, they Paramore has such a strong discography uh, that they could have picked any song from their first three or four albums and been well within their rights to defend it, but instead they went with like probably the weakest Paramore hit. Do you think
2: that out of all of these mega popular emo bands like your Fallout boy, your panic, uh do you think Paramore deserves the highest spot out of all of them?
1: I don't. Um uh
2: I think Taking Back Sunday probably does, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah probably.
3: probably. I, I I definitely don't think Paramore should be on number 6. That's
1: kind of cra- yeah. that's kind of crazy to me. That's that's it's a little cray. And with that out of the way, number five, Sunny Day Real Estate. Seven. They could have they could have put this uh, at number seven on the list, and <laughs> that would have been fine too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, this is a this is a great song. Uh, does not need to be on here if In Circles is already on here.
4: I mean, I would have chosen Seven over In Circles myself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But... Or you could have picked like Song About an Angel. That's like... oh, yeah. my favorite song on that album. Yeah, those first three songs on on that record are just so inextricable from what emo is to a lot of people. You could have picked any one of them. And if you were going to put more than one Sunday Day Real Estate song on here, just fucking go for broke and replace Stray Light Run with song about an angel.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in agreement that Straylight Run shouldn't have been on this list. That's, yes, that's yes, that's yes. one of the that's one of the main
1: takeaways from this session. <laughs> I feel
2: like Brad Nelson's getting the biggest
1: lashing in this episode. Yeah, and I feel bad because he's a good writer.
4: He does talk about still life. Still life could have been on this list. Yeah, I don't know. They they could have they could have taken Straylight Run off and put on still life. I don't, you know. Yeah. Put on put on oh. book on you instead.
1: I would have been so stoked if they put a song about love instead of Still a, or sorry instead of a run, would have been a perfect pick. Number four, uh, this is actually the song that I've gotten the most people coming to me and saying, "Why the fuck is this on here?" Sweetness by Jimmy Eat World. I'm I'm trying to bring myself
2: to argue why it shouldn't be on here, but any Bleed American song would be fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, they could have put Bleed American. They could have put the middle. They could have put a praise chorus. Like
2: A praise chorus would have been ballsy and great because it has I mean it
1: directly Davey. shouts out davy And it also shouts out Kickstart My Heart. <laughs> um Sweetness I think is actually like a stronger song than a, a praise chorus. Um but it's not as concise and anthemic as the middle. Um, so I feel like this is actually like the weird pick of a Bleed American song to put on here, and I also don't think it belongs this high. I, I think uh, if you were going to put two Jimmy World songs on this list, I would switch the Bleed American song with like a Clarity song, if you had to put a Jimmy World song this high up.
4: Yeah, and I, 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 I think Bleed American would have been a better choice as
1: well. Still, though, great fucking song. You cannot, you cannot fuck with the call and response vocals. Uh, I appreciate that this, this write up talks about uh, Bleed American like functioning as uh, the middle ground between new metal and teen pop. Um, as, well, because it was authentic in a way that both of those genres weren't. Um, and it had like some aggression, but it also had catchiness and accessibility. Um, and it was emotionally honest and sweet and real. Mm-hmm. In a way that uh, the post nine eleven world probably really needed at that time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the the middle and sweetness were both gigantic radio
2: hits. Like I think a lot of people weren't expecting Jimmy World to have like two radio hits. Uh, yeah, like right after each other. The first time I heard emo was at some gathering at my house, and we were listening to the radio, and the middle was on, and one of my dad's friends was like oh, they're playing emo on the radio now? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about?
1: <laughs> are you saying your dad's friend was, like, an OG gatekeeper?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he, he was, like, kind of young. Like, my dad was probably, like, 40, and this guy was, like, 30, and he was, like, playing, like, fucking RPGs on his computer
1: and, and stuff. That's disgusting. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh... Come on, at least like get some imported JRPGs and play it on your Sega Saturn. Fuck. Uh, um, are we ready to move into the top three?
4: I'm I'm more than ready. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, sir. <Seth. laughs> no, I meant I meant in an excitement way, not a not a uh, let's get this over with way.
1: <laughs> number three, Captain Jazz, Little League. Like, yeah, yeah. Captain uh, Jazz absolutely deserves to be number three. Yeah. I really enjoy that Emma acknowledges that a lot of Tim Kinsella's lyrics just kind of sound like Adventure Timey. Like that makes perfect sense. <laughs> um and I think that uh Captain Jazz kind of embodied uh a sort of sweet almost toxic innocence um because I mean you know that that Tim Kinsella doc that VICE did kind of goes into detail about How harmful the experience of Captain Jazz was for the members of Captain Jazz, Mm -hmm. Um, but the the way that the the songs themselves play out, uh, you can't really hear any of that tension. It kind of comes across as like a messy yet cohesive masterpiece, and I mean that for every song that they ever wrote. It was
4: they 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 were like actually doing something new. Like this was you know they, they were like. This was uncharted territory that they were going into and it's it's just so it's it was so well
1: put together. Yeah, I think the fact that like every third band, like nowadays, uh, or maybe not nowadays, but back in like the mid to early twenty tens sounded like a Captain Jazz ripoff kind of obscures the fact that literally no one sounded like Captain Jazz at the time and no one sounded like Captain Jazz for like a good ten years after they bro- after they broke up. Like, like rivaling braid in like ahead of their time category the band that they uh, always shout out and interviews them as in like
2: Captain jazz's crew is gauge who is from that area that i have not yeah. been able to find anywhere on the internet oh, Gage,
4: yeah gauge are amazing yeah
2: gauge gauge are very good are yes. they on youtube um, yet or anything because like three years ago uh, they weren't
4: they're probably there's probably yeah there's probably some videos on youtube um i know there's a i got few- them
2: soul seek
1: um However, the other band that they that they shouted out uh, as an influence, and in, I think an exclaim piece that I read about them, like probably the biggest influence on their songwriting, uh, at least that's what Victor said, was uh, Jane's Addiction, which is crazy to me. That's <laughs> but I can kind I can kind of hear it. Like I genuinely can hear it. <laughs> but Captain Jazz, I'd argue, has more swagger than Jane's Addiction ever did. Like, can you imagine Jane's Addiction, like doing anything like their take on me cover?
5: no yeah
4: jane's jane's addiction was completely humorless and like just too self-serious and cap and jazz had this like it wasn't it it wasn't uh it wasn't whimsical because whimsy sucks but it was like fun in a yes fun with a purpose like the uh highlights magazine used to say
1: i wouldn't say not whimsical because I don't think it sucks but it was whimsical without being precious or cute you know there we go i yeah. mean they
2: were like not even 18 at the time or maybe they were 18 but like yeah they just had that energy about them just being fucking like wide-eyed
1: and now that i mentioned whimsical without being precious or cute like yeah the adventure time comparison continues to make perfect sense mm-hmm. <laughs> um are you ready to move on to the top 2 yep Yeet, Oof. number two. Oh, uh-oh, Seth. We might, <laughs> <laughs> we might have an argument on our hands. <laughs> number two, Jawbreaker, accident prone. Correct. I'm gonna say it. Correct. Like. I'm gonna
4: say yeah. I'm gonna say correct. If you're gonna, if you're gonna put Jawbreaker in the top three, accident prone's the the track to do
1: it. Um, this isn't this isn't my favorite Jawbreaker song. <laughs> my my favorite Jawbreaker song is Jet Black. And my, I still don't have any tattoos because I'm a fucking normie. But I do really want a funny like a funeral on my wrist, because uh, that lyric speaks to me. But I do think "accident prone" is like the jawbreaker track, and it it wasn't at the time as near as I can tell. But because of Spotify, I think it has slowly become the jawbreaker track.
4: <laughs> yeah, seafoam, seafoam green is my favorite jawbreaker song. But I, for the purposes of this list, I think Accident Prone's perfect.
2: What does it say about me that my favorite one is
1: Fireman? It says that you, um, that you like to rock. <laughs> uh, t- do you consistently have nightmares, Kyle? <laughs> oh, for for, <laughs> for 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 extended weeks. periods of time? For, yeah. F- yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dear You is probably still my favorite album of all, all time. So I, I wouldn't be able to argue with any Dear You songs. Yeah, I can't complain with accident prone. This is a correct pick.
4: And for, and uh, for for those who haven't looked at the piece, they they have a a photo of Jawbreaker and the bass player is wearing a Jawbreaker yeah. shirt. Yep,
2: which is pretty,
4: which is pretty great.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's up there with like Trey Cool from Green Day wearing a Green Day Nimrod shirt <laughs> <laughs> on the Nimrod tour. <laughs> also, I I have seen a picture. Of Kurt Cobain wearing a Jawbreaker shirt, which is unspeakably cool to me on so many levels. Yeah, yeah. they, they yeah. toured.
4: They toured. They yep. toured with them. Yeah. Um, there was a great, uh, there was a great uh, tour diary from Blake about that. The, the, yeah, the wipers, uh, the wipers couldn't make it, and so Jawbreaker did like, I think it was five
1: dates. Yeah, there is a an amazing piece on uh, one of the Jawbreaker Nirvana shows from Ben Weasel, actually. Yeah, because I uh, think one of the shows was in Milwaukee. Yeah. And uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite opened, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Jawbreaker, uh, untouchable band, deserving entirely of their place in the emo canon. I don't care what anyone says. Okay. So we're at number one. And I do just want to thank uh, Seth and Collins, both of y'all, for going on this journey with us for what has been almost – uh, seven hours now. (laughs) That's
4: that's an, that's an emo work day. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, this has been, uh, really, really fun. And I think if, uh, people get anything out of these episodes, it's going to be maybe like a a more concrete sense of the history of emo as a genre and like historical context and maybe some cool fun facts that they didn't know. Um, because ultimately I don't think the purpose of this list was really to critique it. Um, it was just to use it as like a discussion point for emo where, where it's been, where it's at in 2020 and how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. Uh, so thank you guys for helping us do that.
2: Yeah. No, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So yeah. we're not going to talk about the song, right? No, it's,
2: it's, it's over. Yeah.
1: It's fun. It's uh, thanks everybody. uh, uh we were we were never meant to talk about the song. Honestly. <laughs> Ooh. The, hey, no, that was, that was a too give it to me. <laughs> no, I, I'm upset, uh, but also I get it. One of those things where like I don't understand where you're coming from, but I respect you anyway.
4: I mean, I it with Ian being involved in this list, I knew he was gonna put this at number one. Like there's there was no possible way he was gonna allow american football to not be the number one choice out of a hundred songs like
1: yeah that's just
4: that just that's where his
1: his tastes lie yeah Yeah,
3: that's
4: it and
3: i I think this is the starting point for a lot of for a lot of kids so like it makes sense to me i mean honestly i think the that this song and this record in general is is very like recognizably mainstream for being, like, not a super, you know, popular um, genre in general. Uh, I mean, what is yeah. it, Lil Nas X, like, posted on Twitter, like, yeah. the American Football House the other day? Yeah, like, yeah, yep. yeah. You know, that's, that's cra- it's crazy to me that, like, this is, it's a very recognizable, I think it kind of just encapsulates a lot of the pieces of the genre that people like, you know, and, um, you know, say what you will, but it's kind of the case. It's
1: yeah it it is really weird to me because even though American football is has nothing to do with emotive hardcore musically it's impossible to talk or think about emo in twenty twenty without looking through the prism of this song uh because of it the, the stature that it has somehow accrued over the years and I really I think there's been like some sites that have tried to do like an oral history of uh, American football and how they came to be like the definitive emo band to so many people. But I really would be interested in like some kind of history of how American football got like rediscovered and in retrospect crowned the Kings of emo, Mm -hmm. uh, in like the Kings of a genre that they never adhered to. They played like six or seven shows before they reunited.
4: Yeah, and the, and the when when that album came out, it was, it was like um, it was well received uh, amongst uh, you know a small group of people, but it was it didn't uh, it didn't quite make a, a as big of an impact as it seems now when it came out. Like I, I, you know, a lot of a lot of us who were very into the Kinsella's we're we're very into it, but it it didn't it didn't start growing in um, its influence until until later, and that was very interesting to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, if I had to point to one single culprit, it would be Tumblr. Like yeah, seriously, that house is so infinitely rebloggable, and mm. I think Tumblr also facilitated the rise of a lot of like bedroom pop acts and i think that like the general songwriting aesthetic especially of this song uh fit in with a lot of that stuff and then when you tie that together with oh yeah these guys used to be in or mike used to be at least in captain jazz who are you know i i would say uh, to a certain degree the, the the biggest broken up emo band for a long period of time um it just kind of like snowballed to the, and then 2014 changed everything. Um, 15th anniversary of the record. And then they put out that, uh, what was it? The, uh, the music video for never meant posthumously. Like that was like an officially sanctioned music video for a band that hadn't played a show uh, in 15 years. Um, And it blew up, caught on like wildfire and it's just slowly grown even since then to the point where I I think that American football are now like synonymous with emo. I have mixed feelings about that, but I can't like really talk shit on American football the way I have on the show in the past uh, because they are really important to so many people. And I don't want to like take that away.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I think like sonically just like what they invoke is just that like kind of nostalgia like high school sort of things that a lot of people associate the genre with and then obviously the album cover just being like iconic and inspiring so many others i mean how many house albums are there like uh, like a hundred thousand you know um yeah i think it's just important to like recognize their influence and i you know i think that I mean, if American football came out today, like, would people like it as much? Like, I have no idea. But you gotta respect like what it kind of inspired.
2: Yeah, a lot of people haven't heard anything that even sounds like this because they don't hear twinkly guitars in in different tunings until American football sometimes. So like, I don't
3: know. I think uh, the intro for a lot of kids was uh, Canadian softball. You know, world renowned fan <laughs> <band>, Canadian softball. <laughs> I know like that's I think like when that video came out I was kind of like oh yeah I think I've heard of it I think it's like American football and then you look it up and for a lot of kids it's just like oh yeah it's just a nice like bridge between like even though it shares nothing with pop punk like I feel like there's a bridge between like your basic like I like state champs and neck deep and then you're like but I want to delve more in what do I listen to and people just say American football for some reason no the fact the
1: fact that you brought that up actually reminds me I think One of the biggest reasons is Real Friends, the band Real Friends, like because they openly shout out American football, like on more than one of their early EPs, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I think that that's the that's the pop punk connect and modern baseball, too. I think people kind of just like Googled like, oh, bands that sound like modern baseball and somehow found their way to American football. Um, and connected it because of the names you know
2: <laughs> i mean i was aware of american football because i was listening to owen right right and um, i i listened to owen for like four years before i ever listened to american football but i still knew him as the guy from american football for some reason probably because of last fm or something the owen version of this song though is so good
1: oh yeah does anyone have more thoughts on never Men or this list as a whole
4: no but i had a good time talking about it with you oh yeah it's been a a fun
1: i think it's i think seven seven eight hours it's been fun seven hours yeah and i do have to give this list props like there was a lot of picks that i was not expecting especially from an outlet like of this size shit it introduced me to sarge so (laughs) the one the (laughs) one band. yeah um thank you guys so much uh Thank you, Kyle. Um, Of course. Thank you you to our listeners for wading through this. Um, Yeah, it's been the 100th greatest Emo songs of all time, courtesy of Vulture. And I think we'll see you all soon.